Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Um, is it July 15th? Let me tell you something, Kevin. I did, in sweat I did right now. I'm going to give you a trivia question to start the morning. I did something this morning I have not done in at least, I'll say five months. You... On the way into work. You stopped for breakfast. No, it's a good... You drove with the windows down. Bingo. I drove with the sunroof open. I mean, my glasses fogged up walking to the car, (laughs) and I mean that in all seriousness. It was. It's 75 out. Now it's supposed to be... But the humidity... Yeah, it's balmy, right? It feels like we're going to Grand Park, and we're right. going to do the show from training camp. And Jake, unfortunately, it looks really, really dicey from a weather standpoint today. Yeah, it's not going to be good. Um, here's my challenge for you, Mark Dykton. Yeah. Maybe this morning it's a little bit premature because of the weather today. I mean, I'm looking. We're looking right now at Wish TV and the radar. It looks like a Jackson Pollock painting. But because I drove in this morning with the sunroof open and because we are now, I think we can officially say, into early spring, since it's April, Mark, I figured today for every bounce back, we would play proverbial roll down the windows songs. You know what I'm talking about? Like songs that just when you hear them on the radio, you're like, I got to roll the windows down and, and belt it out a little. And belt it out a little. Think you're Whitney yep. Houston? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Rack the Kelly Clarkson and the Beach Son, Boys. You know, Son, Mr. Hey, Golden Sun. No, that's, that's no just, wheels on I, the bus go round. No, round. you know what I'm talking about though. Like Hollywood Nights by Bob Seger is a great roll down the windows, blare it out song. Africa Toto. Africa's a good one. Um, I hate to say it, but Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus is one of them. Of course. Although you don't really want people to hear you singing it. I could see maybe Kristen Neri at 9 o'clock appreciating that as we lead into him. <laughs> Strikes me as a Miley That's right. fan. Uh, we got a busy show lined up, right? We do, yes. Uh, Dick Gabriel, Jake, going to join us here. Is that 740, Mark? Yes. 740. Yep. Um, and Jake, the color analyst for Kentucky football? Correct. correct. So Dick Gabriel has been a sports host in Lexington Radio for 35 years. He is also the... Sideline, uh, no, he's the sideline reporter, sideline. not color comment. So he's the sideline reporter for Kentucky football broadcasts and has been a fixture in Lexington covering UK and Big Blue Nation. Big Blue Insiders, his Twitter account. BBN, baby. Uh, he's going to join us. You know, Dick Gabriel's a funny story, Kevin, because he is a guy that I had never met. But when you work in radio, just as we know, you have guests regularly from other markets on, right? Like we've had, I'm trying to think of people that we've had on regularly from outside the market. Well, maybe a Nestor after yesterday. That's right. Um, Mike DiRocco from Jacksonville. Yeah, Mike DiRocco is a good example. Reese Monaco should have been a weekly guest. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, um, Reese Monaco, you ask him on Monday a question, and then on Friday you just come in and turn well, things off. I mean, do you think Reese, what do you think his emotions were yesterday when he saw the Trace Jackson Davis news? He was the, fr- are you kidding? He's his agent. 
<laughs> sitting in front row at the press conference. <laughs> single tear down That's the cheek. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Dick Gabriel, over the years when I have worked in both television and radio for Indiana and Kentucky, when they would play each other in basketball or whatever it might be, I don't even know how it came to be, but he reached out to me, hey, can you come on my show this this week? Sure. And vice versa over the years. This has gone on for 15 years. I've never met him, right? Then that, that morphed into just like texting each other, whatever. Well, one day, kind of at the outset of COVID, when the world was starting to open back up, I have long had, I think I've told you guys, a fascination with secretariat. Everything about the horse, the racehorse secretariat. So I texted Dick Gabriel because he lives in the Lexington area and Paris, Kentucky is where Secretary's Farm was, but outside Lexington. So I texted Dick Gabriel and I said, hey, I'm actually thinking about going to Claiborne Farms. Like, is it pretty cool? And he says, what day are you going? So I was going to go down this week sometime. And he says, well, I'll meet you. So I drove down to Claiborne Farms and Dick Gabriel drives over and we went through and did the whole tour together and then went into into town and got lunch and sat there and talked about IU and Kentucky for two hours and you'd have thought we were college roommates. But I've never met him other than just doing radio hits together. Obviously a ton of Will Levis focus. Yeah, that'll be the focus. Today. Uh tomorrow reportedly is when the Colts will head to Lexington to work out Will Levis, Anthony Richardson later in the week. And again, this is just a massive week for the Colts in, I think, getting to the finish line uh, of where they're at of, all right, what's the order? One, two, three, four on these guys. You know, Do they feel like they need to move up to three? Do they feel like they can stay there at four? Is a trade back being discussed? All of those conversations will reach, I think, a finality here this week. And then on Monday, the Colts start their offseason program. Um, again, they got such a late start to the offseason and hiring Shane Steichen that I guess it's not too much of a surprise that this sneaks up on us, but uh, Shane Steichen will get his first chance to meet his full team. Certainly he's met guys individually, uh, but meet his full team coming up on Monday. So good Wednesday morning to you. Again, from a weather standpoint, it sounds like we've got like a couple of waves today, maybe later this morning, the first wave of rain and wind and potentially hail, and then again this afternoon. So I'm going out on a limb here, but I would assume the high school sports scene will be pretty sparse outdoors um, later today, and obviously safe travels to everyone, um, especially with what we had to deal with over the weekend. Uh, along with Dick Gabriel, Stephen Holder going to join us at 8, Chris Denary at 9, 3 to go for the Pacers. It will be the Knicks tonight over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And, and with this last week of the season – you know, officially eliminated from the playoffs. Boy, you look at these standings. Five, six, seven, eight in the draft order is separated by a half game right now. Um, does that matter? Does it not matter? Well, I mean, last year the fifth pick was Jaden Ivey and the eighth pick was Dyson Daniels. So I I would venture to guess that. That's a good point. And this year's draft it matters. Again, I, I've talked to a number of people about this. I, I, this year's draft is thought to be three players and that might actually be two now that are guys that are thought to be you know immediately able to contribute guys that are going to be centerpieces and then complementary pieces after that like from so in other words I, I don't know like last year to your point which is a great point I, I think after the top five then like six to well I mean Matherin was six right, right? but after that you had kind of a, a lot of guys seven to probably twelve that were fairly interchangeable. Um, 
And so I think that in this year's draft, it's thought that it's two or three. And then after that, like four to 11 are pretty interchangeable. I still think there are some pretty good wings that the Pacers could be in the mix for if indeed they fall into that five, six, seven, eight area, which I think is good news when you consider the roster and what you need. Um, but right now, again, very jumbled there. It, for those that do care about the playoffs, the East is pretty much set, 1 through 10. Uh, we know who will be in the play-in. Heat, Hawks, Raptors, Bulls, in all likelihood there. Um, and the West, though, is wide open. And all of a sudden, like here comes the Lakers. Yeah. well, To the if, point where they could get out of the play-in. I, I, if the Lakers are healthy. And right now they are. Right. I mean, how many times? And remember that trade they made at the deadline. I thought that was really important to get Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. I think that's really helped them. Here's what the Lakers have done kind of quietly, Kevin, that I think is putting them in the right direction. And it came probably as a result of the injury to LeBron. But LeBron James obviously is an unprecedented talent in the NBA. But the Lakers in the last since his return, that has become Anthony Davis's team. And he is the facilitator for Anthony Davis, not the other way around. And that, I think, has has lifted them. And he is certainly capable of that because, I mean, it's funny. Like, LeBron James is, what, 38 years old, right? He's the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. And if you look at his statistics, I mean, he's still averaging. He gives you seven assists per night. He gives you nine rebounds a night, and he's still putting up 29 a game. Now, in the last couple of weeks, that's more like 20 a game, 18 to 20 a game. But his facili- his his ability to facilitate for Anthony Davis is, I think, what has kind of pointed them in the right direction. Yeah, this is not Matt Ryan last year. This is not Peyton Manning in his final season. This is not Drew Brees in his final season. LeBron James is still one of the best players in the NBA, period. Yeah, And it's... Remarkable, you know, what he continues to do when you throw in the playoff games he's played in on top of how many just seasons he's had in the NBA. So the West uh, will have a lot of separation that needs to happen here over the final few days of the regular season. Again, our coverage begins tonight, 6.30, Pacers and Knicks. Obviously, no surprise, Jake, on the Trace Jackson Davis news at all. Uh, Is he a first-rounder? I think Trace Jackson Davis is right on the... uh, Yeah, I think maybe he is. And I would have said second rounder going into the year. I think there is still some question about his ability to score facing the basket. He, He tried to show that a little bit. I think that... I think it was Dane Fife on these airwaves that made a really good point about him. And it might have been to us. I can't recall. But Dane is super high on Trace at the NBA level. Yeah, and when... And Dane Fife is an interesting one because he coached Draymond Green in college, so he knows kind of that Swiss Army knife kind of guy. And I think there are a lot of people that think that would be Trace Jackson Davis's role. But as Dane has said, when people say, well, yeah, but he can't shoot, I think Dane's answer to that is, well, how do you know that? He didn't have to at Indiana. That wasn't his role. So maybe he can shoot and just Does never really showed it. Does the shooting worry you? I mean, he was 60, what, upper 60s? Not a great number by any means. That's like probably 20 points higher than his dad right um i think a lot of nba people look at no i mean for sure it's a good indicator right it doesn't seven first career it doesn't necessarily kevin because i'll tell you why if you're drafting trace jackson davis i don't think you're not drafting him because you are in 
anything that he does offensively facing the basket is gravy. I think he's going to be drafted because someone is going to see him as a guy that is a really good rebounder, probably out of post passer, kind kind of like a Draymond Green, quite truthfully, although Green is a better scorer um, and a more versatile scorer. But I think that, that you get him for those pieces and then you see what else blossoms off of that. So that would be gravy. But I do think that he has shown, yes, in the late 20s, let's say 25 to 30, somewhere there, I think that at that point, he is as much worth a pick as the other players that you're going to be taking around then. You know, his four years in Bloomington, he became a a more dominant player in college basketball year in and year out. And, you know, he I thought he became a much better passer this season, you know, athletically, just naturally, I think physically, he he became a little bit stronger, of course, over his four years. But it's not like he all of a sudden, you know, was hitting 10-foot jump shots or his right hand became some go-to thing. For him to be that dominant of a college basketball player and not really, again, develop a lot of those NBA type of skills that people thought, you know, people thought, hey, he's got to get the right hand. Hey, he's got to get the face-up jumper. He's got to shoot threes. I mean, I remember several off-seasons each of the last two where, you know, Woodson and and Trace both said, you know, I've got to work on a little bit more of my perimeter game. And, and you never really saw that, which is a credit to them, I think, in that you didn't force it. Um, and for a five-star kid to, you know, kind of embrace the idea of staying home, boy, I would say Trace Jackson Davis lived up to the hype. And it's not like he was the top five player in the class, Jake. I mean, he was, you know, he was a five-star, but, you know, maybe a little bit more on the back end. He wasn't Romeo Langford entering Bloomington. And for him to have had that career, I, I, I do not blame him for one second that the lack of guard play around him is the reason why they didn't have more team success when he was down there. Um, so yeah, Trace Jackson Davis makes it official yesterday declaring for the NBA draft. I'm looking at a mock draft right here, which as I've always said, mock drafts are really good for mocking. But uh, they give you a barometer. This is from Jonathan Wasserman um, at Bleacher Report. He has Trace Jackson Davis 33rd. Improved passing, short-range creation, and shot blocking have helped reshape Jackson Davis's image as an outdated post-scorer. While the senior figures to still find himself with a second-round grade on most boards, it wouldn't be surprising if some teams saw an NBA big worth taking in the mid to late 20s. I'm not big on, like, you know, needing to discuss the top 10 players in Indiana basketball history. But, Jake, how much of it will you look at Trace's career and say, what do you end up finishing, third all-time in scoring? Is that right? Uh, Cheney, and then, well, he pa- did he pass Alford? I thought he was second off or just behind Alford. Okay, um, third in scoring, first in rebounding, first in blocks. You know how much of that will matter, and how much of that will the lack of team success? I think the lack of team success over time, Kevin, people forget about because if you look, like when people talk about the greatest players in IU history. You hear plenty of discussion about, for example, I mean, George McGinnis, who was only there a year. I, I don't know how many people really mention him, I guess. But but I, still, you hear people talk about Jimmy Rail. I'm going way back, I realize. You know, the Van Arsdales. Those guys played in in era before, like the Bob Knight dominance. A.J. Guyton, I, I think a lot of people talk about, and he wasn't on teams that were going to the Final Fours and was a great player, you know. But to your point, I mean, when people mostly talk about, you know, 
Cheney, Alford. I mean, they're teams that made Final Four runs. Should it be, sure. you know, like heavily criticized for that, or should it be more of a reflection on Archie Miller mostly and not creating? Oh, I think he gets, Trace. No, I think it's the latter. I, I think Trace Jackson Davis. People look at it and say, like DJ White is a beloved player. I, I think people look at it and say, boy, he was a great player for Indiana and deserved better from from you know from what was facilitated around him and brought around him. For sure. Um, Logan Duncan, one of the IU transfers off to Xavier. Saw yesterday he's a he's a Muller kid. Cincinnati product there. So, again, we mentioned this earlier in the week when Jalen hood Shafino made his declaration. If you want to look at the final game for Indiana this season, they scored 69 points against the Miami Hurricanes. They will be losing 61 of those 69 points. So, a lot of turnover, a lot of new faces coming in Bloomington this year. Uh, Mark, congrats to your Cubs yesterday. Thank you. That was a hell of a seventh inning. That was very exciting. It's good. I feel like the Reds couldn't get out of bases loaded for like 20 minutes. Yeah, it seemed that way. And I hope they get in today's finale. I know the weather will probably be a bit dicey down there. It's a, Is it 12.35? Is that first yeah. pitch? Yeah, it's an early one. Uh, Hunter Green, Marcus Stroman. So a great matchup here as we get back to the opening day starters for both those teams. And we uh, decide a series winner here. Did you get your NL Central Champs shirt printed up yet, or no? Well, it's it's uh, overnighting. I uh, was not on the front porch when I head out to the car mm-hmm. uh, this morning. But, you know, as a Reds fan, if you don't trash talk in the first week of April, then are you probably truly not going to really trash talk the rest of the year. <laughs> so, um, I know this phrase is probably used for other things, but you got to get it in, folks. So, what you're saying is, Kevin, what? on the mornings when you very first time for the season – open up your sunroof on the way to work because it's 75 outside. It means two things. Number one, the weather has broken for spring. And number two, you got three weeks as a Reds fan. Well, you it's probably more three days to screenshot the <laughs> NL Central standings before it looks a little different. So we'll take, take advantage of this time. Which, Where are you going to go? Uh, the Reds, was it 12-5, Mark? Is that the final last night? That sounds right, yeah. Uh, big seventh inning for the Cubs. Uh, you know what? Let's check one. the standings on our PBR sweepstakes here. I you saw ready? my guy Tony Kipp had a walk-off last night for the A's. The Oakland Athletics, which is Kevin's team. Oakland Athletics currently sitting at a stout 2-3. and three. Not bad. Mark Dykton with the Arizona Diamondbacks, 3-3. Mm-hmm. Three and three. Hey, hey. Don't look now. And the cute fella Baltimore Orioles, half game up on you, 3-2. and two. Orioles are hot. Are you and Nestor are going to go to a game later this year? <laughs> That's right. That's uh, we right. are about, I guess we're approaching about a month into free agency. I would still circle three pretty big needs for the Colts. We can go over with Stephen Holder later today. Cornerback, O-line, receiver, a non-quarterback division. I probably should clarify with that. And I do think when the offseason program begins next week, a big storyline will be the health of Shaquille Leonard. You know, rightfully so. That's kind of been moved to the back burner with all the head coach and all the quarterback talk. But for a defense that's losing Stephon Gilmore, and, and I'd throw Bobby Okereke in there. I know Gilmore was the better player, but you know you have some losses on this defense. I think Okereke is a big loss, man. Unless EJ Speed, 
EJ Speed has shown Kevin that he might be able to to, to fill some holes there. But well, I'd throw uh, Leonard above. Speed. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm saying if Leonard isn't able, you know, Leonard's a big question mark, right? I mean, that's a big centerpiece to have question mark as to how well it fits. And I know there are questions about Leonard over the course of four quarters in a game. Him healthy, you know, in his early down ability, stopping the run, all that. How many times did he has he made critical plays to end games, seal games? Big turnovers. That was lacking from this team, especially if it wasn't Gilmore doing that last season. So I do think that is a big storyline to keep an eye on. Again, Dick Gabriel going to join us here in about 20 minutes. Stephen Holder coming up at 8 and Chris Denary at 9 o'clock. One thing I do want to ask Chris uh, joining us, did you see the NBA is going to do that midseason tournament next year? Really? Yeah, they... um, I don't think it was like a full adoption of a new CBA, or was it maybe it didn't have like the typical labor well, I saw back they, and forth, right? You know, it wasn't like too standoffish. But I am totally good with the midseason tournament, and, and the one reason that I really like it is it's not going to add any games outside of your regular eighty-two. Like it, it will be part of your eighty-two game schedule. So I think teams will not. Oh wow! Now we're playing eighty-eight or eighty-nine. We've got to load manage right. even more. Um, and I just think it adds a little bit. I'm not saying it's going to be must-watch TV, but I think it adds a little bit to what can be a lull in the NBA season when it's like, man, we still haven't reached the All-Star break. You're right. And the All-Star break was weird this year in particular because it came like seemingly two-thirds of the way through, right? It seems like since they've changed the schedule a little bit to start back in mid-October, it does seem like it's more of like a two-thirds, almost three-fourths through the NBA schedule. So we'll chat with Chris Denary about that coming up at 9 o'clock. Um, for now, and Jake, you, you've got the weather over my shoulder. Any morning, I thought the morning radar looked okay. Like we aren't getting this first wave for a while. Is that correct? I think that's right. I'm looking here. I mean, it's definitely supposed to be a pretty ugly afternoon, right? Yeah, I think a big wave coming this afternoon to Central Indiana, and I believe if I saw correctly, potentially one maybe late morning. So your Wednesday plans, if you have them outside, or simply if you're just traveling, you know with work or home from work certainly keep an eye on that kevin bowen jake query mark dykton right here kevin query on 93.5107.5 the fan all right pacers and knicks tonight over at gamebridge Fieldhouse. the knicks locked into it's them and the Cavs, right round one at least that's what it seems like um that would be the four five matchup cleveland the four knicks the five no julius randall tonight for the pacers it seems like the typical tank uh, Tyrese Halliburton is already ruled out. Miles Turner's questionable. I have a feeling he will be out. And Jake, as you mentioned, to lead off five, six, seven, eight right now in the tank standings, separated by a half game for the Pacers. So that is them, Portland, Washington, and Orlando. So cheer for Portland, Washington, and Orlando to win games. Uh, speaking of Portland, by the way, they keep getting led in scoring. They didn't necessarily last night, but Shaden Sharp, now that he's getting into the rotation, uh, 20 again last night for the Blazers, but they were on the short end, 119-109 to the Memphis Grizzlies. Other winners last night in the NBA. Jaden Ivey had 34 Detroit, but not enough. Miami, Victor Oladipo, and Cody Zeller beating them 118-105. Other winners, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Minnesota, the Sixers, Joel Embiid last night, 52-13. and 13. He had half their points. <laughs> He did, didn't he? Yeah, you're right, he did. Um, Houston over Denver. 
The Kings over New Orleans. The Lakers a winner. So too Golden State and Phoenix. Okay, Ivy passed. Uh, the Pacers will play the Pistons coming up Friday. Passed Grant Hill for the most points in rookie franchise history for the Detroit Pistons. All right, last night on the diamond, the Reds gave up. Was it? 37 runs in the seventh inning. I'm trying to think back on it sure uh, felt that way. how bad it was. Uh, they lose 12-5 in that one. It's a 12-35 finale for that series today, weather permitting, over at Great American Ballpark. Marcus Stroman and Hunter Green in that one. Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Uh, judging, get in there? judging by the crowd, I, I don't think many people are showing up to Great American these days. Uh, the Cardinals lose. What are we doing here? Something printed, I guess. I don't know. I thought we it was guys, a Pong game. I that, thought it was a national uh, weather show. Uh, well, today, that could be the case. Uh, Cardinals lose the Braves 4-1. Guardians lose to my Athletics 4-3. Thank you to Tony Kemp on the walk-off there. A Tiger 6-3 over the Astros. Uh, cute fellow Juan, is that right? Cute fella, uh, cute fella wins just by going out on the field. Yes, yeah, 7-2 over Bless Texas. You, Mark. Thank you. We're, we're off to a roaring start this morning. <laughs> Beeps we? and sneezes. What, what, what do we got going on? Uh, yesterday, officially, Trace Jackson Davis declares for the NBA draft. If you missed it, he was on noon to three yesterday with Brian No and Dane Fife. Here was Trace yesterday on his time at Indiana. I've, I've done a little bit of reflecting, but just making the tournament for the first time. Yeah. Um, obviously, beating Purdue at Purdue since like, <laughs> first time since 2013, 2016. I don't know when it was, but it's been a while. And then um, just cherishing every moment with my teammates, really. Um, just being on the court. Uh, senior night was a huge one. Getting able to beat Michigan. Um, that was really cool because we haven't won on senior night here in a long time, too. So it's all big moments. He doesn't sound anything like his dad. No, and you know, every time I hear him like recap his four years, it's more of just like a sorry indication of where the program's been, you know? Yeah. They haven't won in senior night in a while. Haven't won in Mackey in a while. Haven't made the tournament in a while. Uh, kudos to him, certainly, but it's more of just like, damn, one Sweet Sixteen in the last decade. Yeah. No moments like, oh man, that elite, those couple elite eights were fun, or, or something. Like I that. mean, yeah. even like a Big Ten title, yeah, or you know, something along those lines. There. So Trace Jackson Davis, Jalen Hood, Shafino officially declared. Are we just waiting on Zach Eady? Is there concern there? Or is it just? That's a really good question. Uh, I think it's into. I think Edie is waiting, Kevin. I think you said it the other day, and it's probably astute. I, I think Zach Edie is waiting to see what he can get in terms of nil money. Uh, if Zach Edie can get like seven for figures, a burger and, a triple X. Yeah, I mean, if he can get, but if he can get seven figures next year to play at Purdue, uh, he may do that. I, you know, I mean, I realize because he's probably not going to be a first rounder, so it's not guaranteed money. So if you can get guaranteed money in West Lafayette for a year, you roll with it. Yeah, Purdue obviously very quiet so far from a transfer portal standpoint. Subtractions or additions. I don't think I've really even seen their name rumored for too many uh, people. You wonder if Edie's decision would have any trickle-down effect on that. All right, we come back. We'll get more into Will Levis. Dick Gabriel, the longtime uh, Lexington native. He is the sideline reporter for the Wildcats. Uh, The Colts reportedly heading down to Lexington tomorrow for a private workout with Will Levis. We'll get more into him. 
not only on the field, but certainly off the field. Coming up next here, again, weather-wise, Jake, you made a check of it during the break. Uh, lunchtime is when it can get yeah, really it's, dicey. It's going to start getting ugly around 10, and then I think around 12 or 1, it's going to be pretty rough today. Yeah, we got Wish on here in studio, and right now, um, Stephanie Mead's got the wind gusts behind her, and boy, upper 30s, potentially into the 40s here. So hopefully the tornadic activity we had over the weekend will not be there but um, safe travels today here on this Wednesday. Kevin Aquary right here on 93.5107 Life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits, no skips learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you so long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. And five, the, the fan. Belinda Carlisle. I, I there, still Mark? can't hear anything. These. Oh come <laughs> on! Is this your first day on radio? No, but I'm saying this this little portal, like it just all of a sudden drops out, and I'm like, wait a minute, what are we doing here? It's Sorry, always to do that line everything here. else. It's never Jake Query. It's always something. This is the else. day after he talked about how he defines professionalism. I do define professionalism. <laughs> Jake's, did you get him on the phone? No, you haven't given me his number yet. I gave it to you last night. You did not. I did. Oh. Got our first guest here coming up. We're very prompt <laughs> on that here on this Wednesday morning. We should have a meeting. Dick Gabriel going to join us, talk about Will Levis. Private workout for the Colts coming up today, or excuse me, tomorrow. Anthony Richardson later in the week, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud earlier you make anything of stroud and young or is that just simply hey just cover all your bases yeah in case I, something crazy it's got to be that and then you know my understanding is also kevin yes to answer your first question you've got to make sure you know somebody once told me and i think it's a really good lesson somebody once told me they said jake many of the decisions that i've made it was a sports executive and he said a lot of the decisions that I made or a lot of things that went right were actually plan B because plan A didn't work out, but I had a plan B ready to go just in case because you cover all bases. And people don't even know that some of those plans were plan B. And that's that's the way you have to look at it. You, you've got to make sure that you're covered in all areas. I guess also they, they're going out and working out BYU's quarterback, right? Yeah, Jaron Hall, who when they played Notre Dame this year, I was not too impressed by him. Um, I, I know he had some good numbers this season. I will say one thing before, before he gets a dick. Jake, I feel like this is just like early April chatter, but there's some people out there that are like, could the Houston Texans not take a quarterback at two? Right. They draft again at 12. They have two first-round picks next year. So I think the thinking there is, you take Will Anderson at two, you put as whatever, well-built of a roster as you can around that QB. Next year, of course, Caleb Williams and Drake May. That's when you make your selection. I don't think that'll happen, but 
it's something that I've heard some people chat about. Again, it's probably more of a, we've run out of draft topics. Let's right, move on to another right. one. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Lickers Hotline, a guy that I have known for a number of years who always has his finger on the pulse of athletics at the University of Kentucky. WLAP is the radio station where he appears each and every day. He is also on the UK Sports Network. Dick Gabriel joins us to talk about, and I know, Dick, this will stun you, but of the number of conversations you and I have had about IU and UK basketball over the years, we're shifting it to the gridiron and Will Levis. And I'll begin with this. And first off, good to talk to you and good morning yeah. to you. Um, were you surprised? Like, If I would have said to you a year ago, hey, Dick, in a year you're going to be doing radio interviews about the possibility of Will Levis being a top five pick, you would have said what? I would have said, are you sure you're talking to the right guy? Because the first time we all heard something like that, we were like, what? You know, somebody, it must be a slow day. Hmm. We knew he was a good quarterback. We just didn't know how good. And we have seen, we saw Tim Couch, but Couch racked up the insane numbers that are always going to draw attention whether a kid deserves it or not. But Levis had the skills, and it became apparent by the end of his first year. Dick, how would you describe Will like more in a teammate personality sense? I'll give you the best example of, of what we learned about him quickly. He was late getting in here. He had to finish up um, school at Penn State. He had to take care of his lease, uh, you know, drive in. So he missed spring, and he missed some of the summer work. And we thought, well, you know, this kid will come in, and he'll compete for the job. And, you know, he had been recruited by Liam Cohen, then the O.C., when Cohen was at a different school, so we knew he had a shot. And within a few weeks, his teammates had named him a co-captain. And that told me everything I need to know, because if you've covered college athletics and you guys have, that might not sound like a big deal to us, but it is to them. And I had never seen anything like that. The last time I saw somebody come in and make an impression with leadership skills that quickly was a freshman, true freshman named Randall Cobb. And so for Levis to come in and do that, that really grabbed my attention. So, Dick, in terms of Will Levis, the player on the field, let's say, for example, that an NFL team calls you and they say, okay, Dick Gabriel, you've seen this guy in practice and in games as much as anybody. The areas that would give you pause or that if you were to wave a magic wand that you needed to you know, improve for him yeah, yeah. would be what? He holds on to the ball too long. And you could hear on the air, our color analyst up in the booth, I'm the sidelines guy, you know, and you could hear Jeff McCord going, get rid of it, get rid of it, you know, and then and, and, and take a sack. Uh, but some of that was an experience. Some of that was knowing, as he pointed out, he has a cannon, and with that right arm and a flick of the wrist, he can get you out of trouble, you know, and move the ball 20 yards downfield. He had young receivers who were trying to figure out how to get open. And he had an O-line that was just really, really poor this past year. So he was trying to, I think, force the issue, make a play. And the other thing, guys, is, and this was a big difference from year one to year two, the new offensive coordinator for whom he played his second year told him, I don't want you running the football. The first year, running the football for the quarterback was a very important part of Kentucky's offense. That's why he scored four touchdowns against Louisville. But the new guy who came from the NFL, just like the old guy, but was more uh, steadfast in his desire to keep Levis from getting hurt, ironically enough, said, I don't want you running. And so he wouldn't break the pocket and take off. And what did he do? He stood in, took the punishment, 
and suffered a lot of injuries. I, I want to focus there on that transition from you know his final two seasons in, in Lexington. Again, Dick Gabriel's with us here. Uh, Kentucky Radio Network and, and WLPA in Lexington. Um, you know, not just offensive coordinator, but if I'm not mistaken, the personnel around him, Dick, really oh, yeah. changed from his you know his last two years there. Could you touch on that and maybe anything physically Will played with last season? Absolutely. I'll start with the second question first. He played with an injured, non-throwing shoulder. You know, the old quarterback. He land somebody landed on him. Uh, he played with a bad thumb. On his throwing hand, he played with turf toe that he suffered during one of his many sacks. This one at Mississippi stayed in the game, led him to the game when he touched down, which was taken off the board. Uh, he's a tough guy, he really is. But what he was dealing with was almost an entirely new offensive line. Some of the guys were back from the year prior, but every player in that starting five was new to that particular position, either had been moved from guard to tackle, from guard to center, or came through the portal and was learning a new complicated offense. It was a patchwork O-line, whereas in the first year, four of the, of the guys up front were invited to NFL camps and three of them stuck. So that's why the big blue wall got so much attention that year. And then we all here in the media, we just kind of drank that big blue Kool-Aid thinking, oh, it's the Kentucky O-line, they'll be fine. Well, they weren't. And Levis is the guy who suffered for it. Every time I drank that big blue Kool-Aid in college, it never was a great next morning, <laughs> I must fully admit for me. I understand. Uh, hey, Dick. Um, Dick Gabriel's our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. When I look at Will Levis, you know, I look at a guy like like Josh Allen because of the fact that the numbers from the junior year to the to, you know year three to year four dipped and people critique that. But then you, you look yeah. at it deeper and you go, well, the personnel changed. But Josh Allen, I think, had to learn accuracy, number one, but had to learn also to not rely strictly on the strength of his arm. I think Jeff George had similar issue when he came out of college. You know, guys that have just relied for so long on the arm strength, those windows close so much faster in the NFL. Is that of concern? Oh, I think it has to be for any quarterback coming to the NFL. But I do think that, and that's a great comparison. I've been thinking a lot about Jeff George, and you guys saw him play up there, obviously, uh, including college. Um, it's funny, too, when you mentioned Josh Allen, instantly I think defensive end in Jacksonville because he played here. <laughs> that's right. But I, but, I, but I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, you know, but I think the, the, the problems that Levis might have initially, I think, can be taken care of through reps. You know, and he's a guy who's not willing or not afraid to work hard. He's always willing to put in extra time. He's a smart guy. Uh, so, yeah, he, and the other thing, too, is he can throw people open. Couldn't really do that in college because he had Wandale Robinson, an NFL talent, his first year. Wandale caught like 62% of his passes. But the following year, he had two really talented but true freshman receivers. And, again, learning how to get open – so he didn't have that advantage going for him. But uh, he can throw people open, and he'll have receivers, professional receivers, who can get themselves open and present themselves. And I think it's just a matter of time before he takes care of that. One thing I've heard about Will Levis, (laughs) and Dick, I realize that when we cover athletes, we don't truly know them. You know, we're around them. You can kind of see it. A lot of times, to your point, you can kind of tell – based on how teammates react around them. But one of the things about Will Levis that has become kind of a buzz 
Not that he's a bad guy, but just he's quirky, he's odd, and maybe a little aloof or arrogant. Any truth to any of that? I haven't seen that. Um, quirky, yeah, he ate the banana, the rod, you know, he drank the coffee with the mayo, but he kind of distanced himself from that his second year. I don't know him as well personally as I might have some of the other players, but I've seen players around him. I've heard players talk about him. I've seen twinkle in their eyes when they talk about him, and not just because of the strength of his arm. You know what they love, guys? They love the fact that at least in his first year, more than once he put his shoulder into the sternum of a linebacker and got the better of him. Uh, that you, you know as well as I how that impresses players. So, um, And then I, I, one thing that stood out to me, I mentioned the Mississippi game, and that was a really brutal loss. The, the locker room there is our most you know, locker rooms for visitors uh, in other stadiums. Not the best. And this is one of those ones with like a bench seat and a hook for your clothes. And we did the post-game radio show in that locker room. And Will Levis's locker was the closest one to ours. And so, and he was had to do media, so he was one of the last guys getting out. Every guy who walked by him touched him on the shoulder, patted him on the head, mussed his hair like, "Don't worry about this. We got this." You know, and that to me was was just an organic reaction to a difficult day. But it was heartfelt, I thought. you know. Now, maybe they're selling me something, but I, I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. All right, Dick, last one from me. If, to kind of summarize here, I guess the biggest question in Will transitioning from Kentucky to the next level, would you say is that something like processing footwork-wise? Oh, absolutely. That you know, He's got to learn a new offense. Everybody does in the pros. <clears throat> but this will be his fourth in four years. Uh, but, yeah, I, I've heard some of the experts say, and they're right. I mean, everybody's got to work on footwork. I've told you got to work on footwork every day. Uh, you know, but I just think developing a relationship with receivers, I don't think that'll be a problem because he'll put in the work ethic. But footwork, I would think, is, is going to be physically pro- the, the biggest issue for him. But it's not, I think, a terrible issue because he's a great athlete and he's a smart guy. Dick, did you not know what to do with yourself this year when the Sweet 16 rolled around and Kentucky wasn't in it? Oh, Jake. You know, the, no, that's a fair question. But the good news is I also cover Kentucky baseball. Uh, I do the play-by-play for SEC+. And let me tell you what, it's the 10th-ranked team in the country. And you guys know it's fun to cover a good team that wins, as opposed to, especially baseball, as opposed, you know, as opposed to a team that just slogs through games. So I was, I was happily busy when basketball ended here in Lexington. To be fair, it's kind of been an annual thing lately, the Sweet 16 <laughs> non, hey, non-appearance. Hey, hey, SEC baseball is no man. joke, Dick, Dick. Dick, let me tell you no. something. The, the hey, at least it's baseball season mantra has been spoken in Bloomington for like 10 years now. So, yes, there's <laughs> yeah, familiarity you there. Came here. I saw you came here and played. You know, they got a nice team. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, you know, it, it's also a great talk show of fodder with basketball struggling. As you guys know, that's manna from heaven. Loaded recruiting class coming to Lexington next year as they are one of the early 2024 favorites. Dick, great stuff. Really appreciate it. Uh, And uh, if they do end up drafting Will Levis, hopefully we can have you back on later this month. Absolutely. Jake, I'll be calling you, brother. All right. Sounds good. I appreciate it. That's Dick Gabriel right there on the Payless Lickers hotline. Again, the sideline, right, Jake? Sideline with Kentucky football. Yep. And a longtime voice there in that area. Yeah, and someone texted me as that conversation was happening, and I think it was right after you asked the Josh Allen question, is Will Levis Josh Allen or is he Carson Wentz? Yeah, I mean, that's... And that's that's probably a good way to sum it up. Right. And I would say reason to have slight optimism, I think, if if you're a Colts fan and you want to see Levis, would be 
and this might be unfair of me, Jake, but I just think Carson Wentz was spoon-fed a lot of things. And life, I think, for Carson Wentz in North Dakota and collegiately came pretty easy to him. You know, he, for the most part, dominated on the football field in college, playing at that level. And then once adversity hit him, unfortunately, it was an injury, the torn ACL, his second year in the NFL, he couldn't recover from that and, and never did. If you look at Levis, he has had to face a little bit more of a rocky road collegiately. He transferred, you know, from Penn State to Kentucky. That's not smooth sailing. Um, he didn't have a great final season at Kentucky. So he's at least been faced with a few more curveballs than I think Wentz was exiting North Dakota State. Will it all of a sudden mean that he becomes Josh Allen? I'm not saying that, but I think from a how will he handle the ups and downs of an NFL career, he's faced at least some of that collegiately. You know what's funny is I recall when Carson Wentz was coming out into the draft, and I get the fact, Kevin, that everybody knows they've got to be on their P's and Q's for those things. I get that. But when Carson Wentz was coming out into the draft, I was listening to, I believe it was Dan Patrick's radio show. So this would have been what, like... A 2016 draft, Yeah, I, I mean, say. I was going to say seven years ago. And I didn't know much about him. I mean, you know, obviously he was a name that started to kind of become in vogue towards the end of that football season and as, as somebody that was a draft prospect. And I remember listening to the interview thinking like, man, I really want to root for this guy. This, he sounds like a good dude. He was humble. He was engaging. You know, just all of it. Um, and then, to your point, you just never know what happens when 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 things are just different for people. You know what I mean? Like when I I think that we lose sight, Kevin, of the fact that when you have players that are getting drafted, going into the pros, whatever else, for a lot of them. I mean, man, you're 22 years old. You're going away for the very first time. I mean, sure, they've been in college, but in college you're very coddled, obviously, when you're a star. You're going away to a different city. You know nobody. You've got to, like, I mean, there's a lot going on. And I I think we lose sight of how just the human being factor of it comes into play. I mean, I, I've talked pretty openly about the fact that, when, and granted, I was 18, not 22, but... You know, life was easy for me when I was in high school, as it is for probably most people. But I had an idyllic childhood and high school experience and then went away to college and suddenly went into a situation where I had to start all over again. And it was hard. It was hard for me away from home. And yeah, I I get that 18-year-old nobody high school kid out of North Central High School, Jake Quarry at the University of Kansas, is not the same as a guy coming out and being drafted in the top five in the draft. But at its core, it kind of is. Because all of a sudden, you are going into a situation where you're starting over again. You're learning new teammates, learning new system, having to earn trust again, having to prove yourself. And now, you have the pressure of media and fans and everybody else immediately expecting you to live up to the expectation and the money bestowed upon you and so therefore and we forget that we're that those are transformations that we're expecting a 21 to 22 year old to just make with the with the snap of a finger yeah fargo to philadelphia yeah quite the jump (laughs) no question i think a huge question that every team has to sift through with these prospects and like take cj stroud for example Life looked pretty easy for C.J. Stroud playing quarterback at Ohio State. 
is that because CJ Stroud made it easy? Or is that because right. he had a lot of easy help around him or a lot of you know help around him to make it be pretty easy? And then again, they face Georgia in the semifinal game, and C.J. Stroud says, watch this. So that's the question of do you appreciate, do you feel like the adversity uh, is beneficial to the guy in facing that in college to how he's going to succeed or not in the NFL? Or did he find adversity because he's just not very good and – that's going to show up again. That's what makes this process so difficult and challenging and why it's not some easy, easy walk in the park. Um, Kristen Ari at 9 o'clock, 3 to go for the Pacers. We'll take a look at what he has liked here late in the season as they have played a ton of young guys here down the stretch. And Stephen Holder joins us next here. Coming up, 8 o'clock hour, Kevin Aquera on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Now, Mark, we got all these requests for Roll Down the Windows music. Oh, are you telling me this song comes on and you're not putting the windows down? I might, I get, the hand, I might get the hand out the window. I yeah. think more of like the Roll Down the Windows at, at 70 miles an hour. This is more like the kind of cruising around, oh. you know what I mean? The window's down, the window's down. Fair enough. It was this morning, but uh, it's going to be ugly here coming up in probably about two hours, so be safe today. Looks like some pretty severe weather, including hail, which is my worst nightmare. I had a car once completely totaled by hail, including it crashed through the sunroof. Ooh. This was like... Get some insurance on you remember that? remember that? Uh, oh, yeah. They had like... It was like hockey puck size hail. This was like probably 2000... 7 2008 somewhere in there the weather's unbelievable looking dicey in augusta too for the masters coming up particularly friday and saturday let's head to the payless liquors hotline right now steven holder from espn.com joins us steven we'll ask enough quarterback questions so let's not start off with quarterback um the colts have the 35th overall pick steven let's assume they go qb in round one how would you kind of rank the next position of needs for this football team well, I, I think there's a couple ways you can look at this. Uh, I, I think that cornerback has suddenly, for me, you know, become a, a much bigger priority. And, and maybe it should have been anyway, uh, but, but definitely when you, when you make the trade that you've just made, I mean, now that, that position, I just think, uh, particularly, what, I don't know what Kenny Moore's future is. Uh, he, he's here now, but you know, for how much longer? Uh, and and is he as valuable in this scheme as the old one? The answer is no. Uh, so I think corner is, is is definitely higher up the list. I, I think that wide receiver needs continued attention. Uh, look, the, the Colts. We'll see what happens with Michael Pittman this off season. Um, I I think they'll try to resign him, but that may that may be put off a year. And if it does. You know, then he's going into a contract year, and you know he has the ability to walk, right? Um, and, and even if he stays, right, this isn't even about Michael Pittman. I, I just think if you want to be a team that that truly can compete offensively in in today's AFC, you got to keep people up at night, and they don't do that. The Colts do not do that, and with their personnel, that's just a fact. Uh, there is some feeling in the building that they have to think about whether uh, whether they 
have a, a true number one wide receiver. I, I have had that conversation with a couple people. And, and is that why the hesitancy, been, sorry to interrupt, Stephen, is that why the hesitancy yeah. w- would be there and not extending him this offseason? Because no. typically Ballard does extend the, the, the rookie contract guys heading into year four. No, no, let me let me be clear. Look, I, I'm not. No one has said that. Part. Okay. That, I, that's just me speculating. Yeah, let me be clear about that. Thanks for actually asking me to clarify that because I don't want to leave that impression. I'm not saying anything that, about them not extending Michael Pittman. I was just saying that even if they didn't, I, I, I figured they would. But I'm saying it, it's not for me. That's not really even uh, the determining factor here. You know what I mean? And and whether they draft one or not, I, I just think that. I mean, they, they have I, – I like Alec Pierce a lot. I, they have something there. There's no question they have something at wide receiver. I, I think those two guys uh, can be a really good duo. But then I look over at, like, what's going on in Cincinnati, and I look at what they have, right? I mean, those, go, those guys go, like, four deep, you know? And, and when it comes to crunch time and Jamar Chase is blanketed, what does Joe Burrow do? He throws to one of the other guys. <laughs> and and they usually make a play. And so, I, I don't know. I, I just think you can never have too many weapons there. Uh, and, and Shane Steichen, coming from Philadelphia, uh, he is evidence of that. You know, they they doubled down on that position in Philadelphia, and, to, and they had great results as a result of that. Steven, we know that, I mean, for the points that you're talking about and the fact of you know, corner to me is interesting because it feels like a need that was created, truth be told, yeah. as opposed to that organically came about. But nonetheless, there is precedent of Chris Ballard parlaying picks into multiple later picks to try to diversify throughout the draft. Do they do that this year? Is there any chance that the Colts take early picks and try to parlay them into more later picks? Oh, sure. 35, number 35 is is actually prime territory for doing that. So I don't think that happens at number four necessarily, but, but I think number 35 gives you that opportunity. It's at the top of the second round. You often have situations where after that first night of the draft, teams look at the draft board and then they think about, all right, what do we need and who's available? And if there's somebody there who, if there's somebody there who can, can maybe uh, be of interest and entice teams to trade up at the top of the second round uh, I think 35 is where you do it if I recall I mean you know that's that's an area of the draft where I mean the Colts really struck have struck gold before you know so you think about Shaquille Leonard and and Braden Smith and guys like that that's the area of the draft the Colts got those guys Uh, so it, it can be very fertile and and if Chris Bauer wants to maximize picks. I mean, that's where I would look to do it. And Stephen Holder is with us here from ESPN.com. Um, Stephen, if you're going to, like, I guess look at April 27th, so three weeks from tomorrow, the Colts will have that fourth overall pick. And if I handed you a pie chart and said, all right, Jim Irsay, Chris Ballard, Shane Steichen, that's on the pie, um, how would you divvy up the percentages of decision-making within those three people? That's a very good question. Um, I think it's hard to say just because I don't think we really know, you know what level of influence Shane Steichen has. I don't really have a sense on that. But I'll tell you what I think it should be. 
I think it should be pretty high. Yeah, I would agree. You know, because don't bring a guy in here as and, and label him, you know, sort of this offensive whiz, as they have. Maybe not publicly, but that's why they hired him, okay? You, you say he's, he's the guy who can fix your offense, which has been said to me. Those exact words. So if he's that guy, then dang it, you better give him what he needs or at least let him have some influence in getting what he needs. Because I can imagine he, can, he looks at the roster right now and, and when he thinks about what he actually needs to accomplish that, James Steichen would likely believe he doesn't have all of those things. So I think you need to, you need to really give him that opportunity he gave him a six-year contract. I mean, look, I know that he's a younger head coach, and sometimes guys like that don't have a lot of influence. I think Shane Steichen should have a lot of influence. Not because I think Shane Steichen is some kind of genius. I don't know. I just think that the job before him is really important, and he was hired to do something very specific, as I said, fix the offense. You got to let him do it. And, and here's the thing, particularly when it comes to quarterback. He should have a lot of influence. Here, here's the thing: uh, Chris Ballard has very specific, uh, you know, traits and things like that that he likes in players. But in this particular instance, you know, this is going to really ultimately it, it will reflect on Chris Ballard. But but ultimately, it's the coach that's going to have to be in the foxhole with this guy every single day. And there's, I think, this is just a different situation when you're talking about quarterback. You got to give the coach. Uh, his preferences have to matter at quarterback. Stephen, when you look at Shane Steichen's track record, Stephen Holder's our guest. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You can read him, of course, at ESPN.com. When you look at Shane Steichen's track record, he's worked with Philip Rivers. He's worked with Justin Herbert. He's worked with Jalen Hurts. Which quarterback... Do you seemingly – maybe you haven't even stopped to think about this, so not to put you on the spot, but when you talk to Shane Steichen or you review comments from Shane Steichen or interviews he's done, which quarterback does it appear that he mentions or favored working with the most? In other words, which style do you think most went along with what he enjoyed coaching? Well, A, I have thought about it. And, and have listened very carefully and read between the lines. And, and B, I would say he's done a very good job of not expressing a real preference. <laughs> and, and maybe it's because he doesn't have a strong preference. They could be that. You know, that's possible. And, and I think his track record suggests that could be possible. You look, I mean, he has had a lot of diversity in the types of quarterbacks that he has worked with. And the success has been you know, relatively consistent. So, so maybe it doesn't matter to him. Um, I, I think he, the one thing he keeps stressing is, you know, he wants a football guy, a guy who is kind of consumed with football. But, I mean, I don't know what that looks like. I mean, frankly, I think all of these guys at the top of the draft, you know, that played at big programs and uh, have, have played quarterback at a very high level. I mean, like, are, they, are any of them really just kind of like laissez-faire about football? Probably not. So I don't, I don't know that that really separates them. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. I think it, for me, all right, I'll tell you, if you're asking me, and you're not, but, <laughs> but, but, I'm, but I'm all you got right now. If, if it's me, 
I'm looking for for upside, like in the long term, whose ceiling is the highest? And I know this is an, this is a, a, a controversial take, or maybe not one that everybody agrees with. But for me, if we're talking, you know, the two guys that we think are going to be available to them, Levis and Richardson, I'm going for the upside ten times out of ten. And the reason for that is because. I think, number one, if you are really confident in your coaching, unless a guy is just hopeless and and you don't see a way that you can get him to play NFL-level football, and I don't think that applies here. But unless that's the case, then I think you got to look at, all right, this is not about right now. This is not about right now at all. If this pick was about right now, maybe you look at it differently. This pick is about next year, the year after, and five years from now, hopefully. And in that, in, in that scenario, I'm looking at it from the perspective of upside, and that is, for me, Anthony Richardson. I think that uh, he – I think there are some refinements in his game that are not as big as people think, that if they can make those refinements, they're going to have a player with huge potential. And so that's – I'm just interested to see what that can be. I, I, would, I would not want to leave that on the table and be wrong. Because I think if you are wrong about him and you and you pass that, pass up that potential, I think you could regret it. I think to your question, Jake, I would say the name that Steichen mentions the most. I, I wouldn't say there's like an overwhelming one of the three he mentions more than the other, but I would say it's Justin Herbert. But the reason mm-hmm. why I would say that is because he also was part of the drafting of Justin Herbert. Like he walked into Philly and Jalen Hurts right. was already there. Right, right. He walked right. into San Diego and Philip Rivers was already there. So I, I do think that's something to point out. Again, Stephen Holder with us from ESPN.com, and you you kind of mentioned it right there, Stephen, but I was hoping you could expand. You believe that the Colts have real interest in Anthony Richardson, correct? Oh, for sure, yes. So Richardson... Oh, I'm sorry. You said they. Exp- I'm sorry. I thought you were. I thought there was a follow up. I'm sorry. Let me. No. You want me to expand? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a very awkward moment. Um, <laughs> all good. Like, all right, Kevin, keep going. Right. So you want me to keep going? Yeah, um, I just decided to half-ass it and hope you could talk. <laughs> hey, listen. Um, you got to be really specific with me early in the morning. <laughs> anyway, listen. Here's here's what I'd say. Look, they have uh, this this. Um, interest in Anthony Richardson is not recent. Okay, I, I can tell you that. This this goes back a while. Uh, they had representatives in Florida uh, with him in Jacksonville before the NFL Combine. And I, I think they were really trying to keep that on the hush-hush, by the way. <laughs> and uh, that that did not happen. I did hear about it. So that, that was, let's just say, people were kind of, people were kind of surprised that I knew about that when, when I asked about it, because I, and I realized, oh, they were really trying to be quiet about that. So I thought that was interesting. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to draft the kid, right? But but I think it was a little bit telling. I don't know that they've done that with everybody, particularly uh, at that stage, you know, uh, before the combine. I thought that was on the early side. Uh, so anyway, that, that was interesting for me. Uh, I also think that um, – this, this, there is some, shall we say? I don't want to say there's a split. I don't know, but or indecision, but but I don't, I don't think they're all on the same page. You know, on Anthony Richardson, um, 
and there are you know there's there's probably some preference for Will Levis in that building and some preference for Anthony Richardson is the way I've heard it. But I don't know who's on whose side, and I, I can't I can't specify that. But I do know that there are strong feelings for both players in the Colts building. So Stephen, if you for you personally, and this is going to sound like I'm, I'm questioning your professionalism. I, I don't want it to come off that way at all. This is more of just like a human nature thing. But I know that you followed Anthony Richardson during the draft. Yep. Um, do you think in any way that your fascination with his upside or your interest, intrigue with his upside, was convinced through that process? No, fair question. I, I think that it – here's what I'd say. I think that – my it definitely piqued my curiosity more that is true yes that is definitely true um but i think from a principle standpoint i don't think that's necessarily the 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 issue uh when i talk about the upside that's more of a, a principle thing for me i think particularly with a guy who is this young um now when you do dig into a player and and write uh, an extensive story about them, you do learn more information that gives you, um, you know, a better grasp of, of who he is and what he is. So I do think that that gives me, you know, some, um, some level of maybe more of an open mind about who he is as a player. I, I'm not saying it's a preference because of that, but I'm saying I, like, for example, you know, he doesn't turn 21 for a couple more months and, you start to really understand, you know, what he could be three or four years from now when he's 23 years old. I mean, that's, that is really compelling, you know? So that's, that's one of the things, for example, but also a guy who's very much mature beyond his years. And I think could, could handle the rigors of being an NFL quarterback, even at his young age. So um, it's, it's less of a, of a like preference based on, based on time spent as much as I think context that comes about because you, you did get a window into someone uh, that, that gives you a little bit of insight. So I, I think that helped in that regard. And Stephen Holder is with us here from ESPN.com. Shifting gears to the Lamar Jackson front, Stephen. Um, yep. I went on Baltimore radio earlier this week, and they were asking me about Lamar, and I basically said, unless the demands change, and I mean that financially and compensation-wise, I just don't see this being a, a serious discussion. And they countered with, if those demands change, Baltimore's just going to match. Like, it'll be a no-brainer yep. for them. Uh, where do you stand right now on the Lamar Jackson Colts potential? That's kind of how I see it too. I mean, look, we there is some this discrepancy about whether uh, whether he's asking for a fully guaranteed deal and whether or or whether it's just a, a deal with like a ton of guaranteed money. But I think we're splitting hairs, right? So my colleague from ESPN, Dan Graziano, reported this after the owners' meetings that it was his impression that he's not asking currently, at least, for a fully guaranteed deal. But again, we may be splitting hairs because if he's not asking for a fully guaranteed deal, but he's asking for one that includes like 80% of guaranteed money in that deal, well, they're going to block it that too, right? So they being like most teams. So I don't know that it matters. So I agree with you. Yes, I, I do think that he needs to, I do think that he needs uh, to, 
to modify what he's talking about or what he's asking for. Um, if, if this is going to be a real conversation about an extension, you know, with, with another team or, or excuse me, a, a new contract with another team or with Baltimore. But I agree if that happens, Baltimore is probably just going to throw in the towel and say, all right, we'll do it. If, if Lamar is willing to accommodate anyone, but there, here's the thing. Know that the guy we're dealing with right now, at least where Lamar is right now, I don't see a guy who is who has any intention of of being accommodating. <laughs> okay, right. I, I just don't see that. And I, I've talked to people, you know, who understand that situation better than me, and they don't have a lot of optimism that that Lamar Jackson is going to back down right now. Now he may ultimately have to, but but as it stands right now in early April, he doesn't have to, and he doesn't show any sign of doing that. So I don't. I agree with you. I think the Colts are going to say, "Well, look, we got the number four pick," and for for that situation to to override the number four pick in a much better way than it does right now, and and it just doesn't work when you're talking about the kind of money we're talking about and 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 giving up the two first round picks, which Jim Mersey. I guess is is just a, a non-starter for him based on what he said. Steven, somebody just asked me this, so I'll pass it along. It's a fair question. Thought it was kind of a good one. Uh, hey, Jake, can you ask Stephen Holder if Anthony Richardson in any way reminds him of a morph between Andrew Luck and RG three? I think that's interesting. Um, I would say. Yeah, I could see a little RG three there. Now RG three was a was a much more polished passer uh, when he came out of school because he had he had played a lot more. So, but but as a but as an athlete, yeah, there's there's some shades there. I, I don't think we really used the RG three comparison. Um, and, and RG three obviously won the Heisman Trophy, right? I mean, he was a fantastic player and was the best, maybe one of the two best players in college football. It was either him or Andrew that year anyway uh it's not a it's not a bad reference point though and i guess the the luck the luck comparison i imagine from this listener is coming just from his athletic ability as well and size Uh, probably because he's a big dude yeah yeah Yeah, that's fair that's fair i think that is something i will i will agree on that point particularly because i think that's something that we we don't often talk about enough about andrew luck is just his his rare size. I mean, he he was six four and two forty. I mean, there's a lot of big quarterbacks out there, but like there isn't a lot of them walking around at six four two forty. And and that's something that with Andrew Luck we just kind of like gloss over sometimes. But that was a very unique part about him as well. So I don't hate that. I I I see shades of both of them. I mean, obviously big big differences as well, right? But Lux, here's the thing, right. Stephen. Could that cause the Colts, and I realize this is probably more a Grigson frustration than a Ballard frustration, but I think one of the things that Ryan Grigson was always open about was the fact that he tried to sway Andrew Luck from always taking the extra hit, but Luck's size just allowed Luck to do that, and then that just wore his body down to the point where he's like, okay, enough. Could the Colts look at Richardson and go, we don't want to go through that again, a, a guy that's, that, that, that wants to tuck and run every single time? I get that. And certainly it might cross your mind. <laughs> I really think that boils down to, to mentality 
And, and also, I think there are ways to coach that, too. And we saw that. Now, it was, it was too late by this point. But we saw that with Frank Reich in 2018. We did not see Andrew Luck take the same kinds of chances. Now, he was coming off the, the injury, certainly, and he had been through a lot. So maybe he finally learned a lesson. But, but I do think there was... I do think there were there were nuances in the way Frank Reich coached him that prevented him from doing that. And uh, take Carson Wentz in, in 2021. Um, we didn't see Carson Wentz running all over the field. I mean, he did run probably more than he should have at times, but but they certainly didn't use him as a dedicated runner that much. And they they certainly and and Carson himself, I thought, was most of the time like more likely to try to make a play in the pocket. So I, and I think the coaching had a lot to do with that. So, so I think there's ways to coach a guy that helped him restrain himself as a quarterback from, from putting himself in harm's way. Ultimately, if the game's on the line, I want my quarterback to do whatever he's got to do, but I just don't want him doing that all day long. In three weeks from tomorrow, uh, the first round of the NFL draft and Monday, uh, the Colts offseason program. So we'll hear from Shane Steichen next week, I believe a local pro day for the Colts as well. So the offseason, about to pick up after a little bit of a lull heel here in between free agency owners' meetings and, of course, the draft. Steven, great stuff, man. As always, thank you. All right, guys. See you soon. Steven Holder right there, ESPN.com. I think something to note on the Anthony Richardson front, I, I obviously understand the intrigue, Jake. You, you can't you can't teach. You, you just don't find that, that mold of clay just sitting there. That, that doesn't happen on an annual basis. But I feel like the, and I get it was a question, but like a mix of luck and RG3, a question about, you know, he's the next Lamar Jackson, he's the next Cam Newton. Do we just ignore Lamar Jackson winning the Heisman? RG3 winning the Heisman? Cam Newton winning a national title? Right, right. Anthony Richardson was 6-6 six and six and a 54% passer at Florida. It's not like Cam Newton had four years at Auburn. He had one. Man, that year at, he had it all too. I mean Again, I understand the appeal and the salivation over the traits, but the college success, you can't even compare Luck, RG three, Cam, Lamar to Anthony Richardson. Not even close. Team success, individual success. I, I think the thing that gives me pause is that Cam Newton was an unbelievable athlete. Andrew Luck was an unbelievable athlete. Um, you know, RG3, obviously, and Lamar Jackson. I mean, all those guys, right? Part of what made all of those guys so good was their ability, the threat that they could run the football. And as soon as that threat is either taken away defense you know schematically or health wise then it alters the way they've got to play the position some guys i i think you know cam newton is a good example cam newton once he no longer could could and he was an unbelievable player i mean people forget like he was great at every level that he played but as soon as the legs went away for cam newton and water found its level, it was over instantly. I mean, it was just like, oh my gosh, shell of himself. And so the fall-off is so great. When that's that your I, dominant trait, that fall-off happens a lot quicker. Correct. And that's my that would be, that's exactly right, and that's my hesitation. Right. Can you teach accuracy? 
That's a good question. I, I think that some guys... Like, I want the quarterback that just goes to the carnival and literally takes every prize home. He can do every game. He can throw. He can do this, this arm the, motion, all the that. The problem there, Kevin, and again, I'm nitpicking both sides of it, right? I mean, Jake, are you ever happy? The, the problem with the arm reliance... And I think that I think Jeff George would tell you that this was his biggest learning curve in the NFL. And I realize I'm going back 35 years ago, but like Jeff George's arm was so good, and his accuracy was so good. It, if you needed to win a million dollars by picking one guy to throw football through a tire from 40 yards away while the tire was swinging, you pick Jeff George. Period. But I think that Jeff George, because his arm was so good and he was able to place the football so quickly at Warren Central and at Purdue and at Illinois, that he just, old habits die hard. And so therefore, when you get into the NFL where the windows are collapsing that much quicker, it doesn't help that he had to play for four offensive coordinators in four years, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that that just reliance on always being able to zip it in there well, now all of a sudden it is just such a faster collapse. That is a very hard thing for quarterbacks to learn to overcome. So, you know, yeah, can you teach accuracy? Probably, but I think actual timing is more important. And I know, and, and I do think they're different. But timing of, you know, that's what made Manning so great. The thing that made Peyton Manning so great, he didn't throw the best football in the world, Kevin, but he, Peyton Manning never threw the ball where it needed to be in that moment, he threw the ball where it needed to be three seconds later. And like a guy would turn around and boom, there it is. I mean, it was unbelievable. And so he was able to see ahead of time where it needed to go. He's kind of the Wayne Gretzky of quarterbacks. This Augusta forecast is not good for Tiger. (laughs) What do you mean? Like he doesn't play well in galoshes? Cool temps, rain, he needs firm ground. He needs to. He doesn't need to be having his feet and legs sink into the turf as he's walking up and down those massive hills. You know who thrives in galoshes? Sandy Lyle. I can't <laughs> wait to see Sandy's wardrobe tomorrow. Uh, first round of the Masters. Did you guys get a look at the Scotty Scheffler Champions Dinner? No. I think it's a, it's a menu I'd be all about. What was it? Hit on that here in a bit. Um, get more to the Colts conversation. They have made a couple of free agent signings here offensively that we haven't really touched on. I don't, you know, not the best tease in the world. I don't think they're the biggest headline names. We'll, we'll hit on that. Chris and Ari coming up at nine as the Pacers got three to go here to end the season. For now, morning check down. Uh, yesterday, Trace Jackson Davis, Kevin, making it official. He will forego his last eligible year at Indiana and instead be in the National Basketball Association. One would presume probably a projected late first or early second round pick and Trace Jackson Davis, as we talked about earlier, Kevin, a fine, fine career. What, as good a career as you could ask for him during his time at IU. Uh, he was on yesterday at Noon to 3 show with Dane Fife and Brian No, and touched on probably the biggest question he'll have in projecting to the next level about that jump shot. I, everyone has their opinions, and I can't really worry about them, but um, I just feel like they haven't really – no one in the NBA world that I've talked to, whether it be my agents – uh, my dad have said that I can't shoot. They just said that I haven't. And so I feel like after I show them, then that's going to be just out of the question. And so 
just need to focus on that coming this off season and just shoot the ball at a high rate, shoot the ball at um, just getting repetition and building my confidence, really. Again, I think it's a fair point. I don't know that we can say that he can't shoot. We would say that he hasn't had to shoot. He's been an unbelievable player underneath the basket. I think his role in the NBA is that of facilitator, rebounder, um, and I, I, I do think there's going to be a place for him. I mean, he's uber-athletic. He's good around the basket. Again, probably late 20s, early 30s, right, in terms of the draft. You know, it's interesting. You don't think of many like second-unit big men as like someone you throw the ball into in the post. Right. You know, there's not a lot of that in the NBA. Um, but I, I, I still think you'll hear him late first. He can throw the ball out of the post, too. I mean, that's the that was big a big, thing, right? uh, one of the biggest steps he made as a player in Bloomington. All right, uh, yesterday, Major League Baseball, uh, we'll just skip over the Reds game. Uh, Tigers. Uh, well, where are you going to go? Over the Astros. <laughs> Cardinals lose to the Braves. Always a good day when the Cardinals lose. 4 1 uh, there. They're 2 and 3 on the season. Uh, Kevin, by the way, alienating the Cubs listeners and Cardinal listeners of the program. Is that the smartest idea? <laughs> Don't look now, but here come the Red Legs. Three and two. Thank you, Mark. The Reds right now. They will close out their series with the Cubs today. Weather permitting, 12-35 first pitch. Great uh, pitching matchup in that one between Hunter Green and Marcus Stroman. And our Indianapolis Indians are still winless. 7-2, the Louisville Bats yesterday. Now, the Louisville Bats would be better if they were the Louisville Beer Bats, right? I mean, I would like them a lot more. (laughs) Did Victory Field debut the beer bats? Because I'm now seeing them at. They're everywhere now, right? The Cubs have them now. People like this is this is revolutionary. I'm like, well, they're at Victory Field last season, so I think Victory Field was revolutionary. Keep the bat and take it home. Oh, I've got three in my garage. Man, he's (laughs) gonna mount them. Playing Pepper in the backyard with the girls. The, yeah, the girls the girls want to hold the bat all the time. I'm like, let, let me finish this first. I don't want to get any odd <laughs> stares. What's that child doing with all that alcohol? So I have to finish it first, then they can play with it. Uh, tonight over Gamebridge Fieldhouse, our coverage will begin at 6.30. It's Pacers and Knicks. Knicks really not playing for much. They've pretty much locked up um, the five seed in the playoffs this season. No Julius Randle tonight. Tyrese Halliburton already out for Indiana. Miles Turner listed as questionable. We know how that's been over the last few games. Three to go for the Pacers. And Jake, it's all about the tank standings. Okay, leading score last night in the association. Oh, that's obvious. Joel Embiid. Second leading score. Joel Embiid scored half the points for Philly last night. 103-101 over Boston. Second leading score last night. Was it Ivy? Uh, he had 30 and a mm-hmm. loss to Miami. Nope. Said this guy's name the other day in the same category. Donovan Mitchell, 43 last mm. night, He's Cleveland like three over Orlando. Straight of 40. And, you know, I mentioned LeBron earlier is now kind of a facilitator for Anthony Davis, but he did have 37 last night. But still, that that team, the West is just so wide open. And, and with – with LeBron back, and and again, I know that he had 37 last night, but he's he is more facilitating Anthony Davis. I, I do not rule out L.A. to make a run in the West. The West, saying it is wide open, Jake, is like an understatement. I like know. Just l- look at the standings. Right now, Warriors, Clippers, Lakers. So arguably the three favorites in the West to start the year, probably outside of Phoenix or Denver. Uh, right now they're 5, 6, 7 in the standings. And again, 7 starts the play-in. They're separated by half game. The Thunder and Mavs, that's Tank Thunder, Mavs all in. That is a half-game difference. And right now the Thunder have the last play-in game. The Mavs are out right now as the 11. So a ton of drama out west here to close out 
the season. We'll talk more about that, the new CBA, the midseason tournament coming up next season. Kristen Airy is going to join us at 9 o'clock. Again, weather-wise, sounds like it's going to turn pretty ugly from a wind, rain, potentially hail damage coming up uh, around lunchtime today and into the afternoon. So safe travels as you go about your Wednesday. Kevin Aquaria right here on 93.5. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 107.5 The so somebody said earlier, I think it's a fair point, there are two kinds of people in the world, those that love Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus and those that lie. That's probably true. Um, it's a big college anthem for my age group, Jake. Is that your era? Big college anthem. So the reason we were playing that is because I was mentioning this morning, got up and walked outside, I'm like, whoa. It was already in the 70s, but it was, I mean, it was humid for sure. But it was absolutely, last night I drove home, and opened up the sunroof, which I, you know, I'm like, why don't I use this more often? And then I did it this morning on the way in. And so I told Mark, we got to play songs that like are those that when you hear them, you just roll down the windows and blare it out. And that's one of them for sure. Um, one of them that I heard last night when I was driving. And I've never, I want to emphasize that, been a fan necessarily of this band. But I think I want to go see Kiss. Oh, wow. Will you dress up? They're, no, they're coming to Gamebridge. I, I don't know how much of their original lineup that would be. When I was a kid... Yeah, we need you on the court for that one. When I was really little, my sister had the Kiss Alive 2 album, which was a double album. And on the inside of the out, like when you open the album cover, it had the, fo- the, the photo of, you know, all the fire and Gene Simmons spitting the blood. And I mean, it like kind of terrified me. It kind of still does terrify me. Those big, the big boots and everything, like they're just kind of. Don't think you're the only one there. Really? Is this like their fifteenth like farewell tour? Yeah, probably. The end of the line for sure this time. <laughs> well, I mean, eventually it's going to have to be, right? Yeah. Today was one of those mornings where, um, yeah, I got a workout in just by walking to the car. Oh my god, I'm already sweating. Air a little thick. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm now you've got on the, the house. You've got on the Indy Eleven kit today. I do have on the Indy Eleven kit. Is yeah. there a pep rally? Did they beat Vegas over the weekend? Do you know the answer to that, Mark? No, I do I not. Do know not. The answer. We'll chat with Greg Rakeshaw about that coming up on Friday. Um, the Scotty Scheffler Champions Dinner. Do they do this with Indianapolis 500 winners? I was thinking about this last night. You know, Tuesday night of the Masters week, past champions all gather for a Champions Dinner. The defending champ chooses the dinner. Do they Can do they that for the 500? No, that's a great question. But It'd be no. kind of a cool tradition to start. It would. Nil-nil draw for, or for the uh, Indy 11. Great lingo, Mark. I've been watching Ted Lasso. Are you caught up on Ted yes. Lasso? Mm-hmm. I'm caught up as well. There's a new one tonight okay. or Friday? Uh, well, they come out. We get it like at 9 o'clock the night before they're supposed to be released. So I think... Uh, let me ask this, and I don't want to give any spoilers for Ted Lasso for those that are not watching it, but I think enough people are that it's relevant enough to mention. The new player, I'll simply say it that way, that he's got to be based on Aaron Rodgers, right? Oh, I, I was thinking it was um, that Ibrahimovic guy. Well, yeah, I mean... Zlatan? Yeah, not to get, I guess. Mm-hmm. Two under the weeds on that. Yeah, I, I think he's just supposed to be a diva. Yeah. Like a diva soccer player. 
But so that matches Aaron Rodgers too, right? No, well, any diva. Like, well, there are some Zen moments with him, yeah. right? You know, uh, Indy Five Hundred Champion Center. Should we? Should we do it? I, I get the Masters. A so this bit more year, so Mar- what would Marcus Erickson have? It would be, um, I mean, Swedish fish. Yeah, Swedish fish and meatballs, and then husky chocolate. The mystery of husky chocolate. <laughs> uh, I still want some. Such oh, I told you they brought it uh, to the uh, one of the races last year, and then I was like, I was like, I'm bringing it home for you guys. But then I realized I couldn't bring it on the plane. Mm-hmm. Yep. I guess I could have shipped it, but I wasn't going to go to that length. Why go the extra effort? The Scotty <laughs> Scheffler meal was great for the palate of children, which I typically have. Lunchables? Uh, cheeseburger sliders, Scotty style. It looked like there were french fries on the burger. Okay. Firecracker shrimp, tortilla Ooh. soup. Those are the starters. The entrees, Texas ribeye steak. Or a black and red fish. Wait a minute. Fish. Sliders were the starters and then steak? Trust me. This is a, quite the meal. We're still early on it. Uh, the entrees, Texas ribeye steak or a blackened fish, red fish. Family style mac and cheese, jalapeno corn, Brussels sprouts, seasoned fries, and the dessert was a warm chocolate chip skillet. Hell yeah. I'm eating that all day. more of the meal for like Craig Stadler than Scotty Scheffler, right? Or Ian Woosnam? I'd go with... You know what I haven't had in a long time? I always like chicken cordon bleu. How about just a dish of chicken cordon bleu? Can you imagine? And the Masters have this, Jake, because they have a variety of nationalities as winners. You'd get some really cool Indy 500 meals. Yeah, for sure. With their nationalities. I mean, Takuma Sato's won a couple. Sato would be that would be and he I think he enjoys fine cuisine. The down under crew, obviously, like you mentioned, Marcus Erickson's now Will Power the Brazilian would they just, cuisine. Would they just go to Outback Steakhouse or is that like too generically well, low? We're still trying, there? you know, Maddie's still in regret over mistaking Will Power for Scott Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite the error. Yeah, quite the error. That was over at Livery. Which, you know, I don't know. Could that be an Alex Pillow choice? Did you say, now, I can't recall. She saw Scott Dixon and thought it was Will Power or the vice versa? She saw Power and thought it was Dixon. And did she acknowledge him as Scott Dixon? Yes. Scott, really looking forward to the race. Good luck. And what did he say? Yeah, Uh, thanks. You know, it's cool. Is Liz the wife's name? Yes. Liz quickly interjected, I believe, and said, oh, this is Will. He gets mistaken for Scott on occasion. Very apologetic. And then your didn't wife, we ask Scott? We had Scott on, didn't we? And we asked him about it. We asked one of the two. I can't remember yeah. which. Yeah. yeah, you know, it happens all the time. Australia, New Zealand. Okay, it's cool. That is a pretty good willpower. <laughs> Thanks. It's the only guy that I can impersonate. Uh, coming up at 9 o'clock, we'll have Chris Denary join us again. From a weather standpoint, sounds like some rain starting to get into the area. Uh, but the gust's going to pick up here. As we get closer to lunchtime in this afternoon, going to be pretty dicey. Do you know if it's windy at the Masters? Do you know what they say? It's time for a break, right, Mark? Mm-hmm. They go, "Oh, Augusta." In my opinion, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, I had my finger on the button. I knew something bad was what? happening. What? You're way too, way too lenient with that button. I don't think so at all. I think you are. I'm just saying. That's a biased uh, opinion. I'd say. Over under for Tiger tomorrow in round one. Like over par, under par? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. The oh. official number par is 72. Over. Two over. Vegas has said it's 72 and a half. He'll go two over. Does look like weather-wise tomorrow morning. Tiger tees off, I think, around 10-15. That's 
one of the better stretches. Tiger did shoot, what was it, 70 last year to open up round one? So we'll see if he can. I think he's got to match that. Oh, I, I remember. You came in the next morning. You were here at 6.15, chomping at the bit to mm-hmm. hit yeah, on the mic. Yeah, I tailgated on the circle, actually, <laughs> leading into the show. Uh, we'll yeah. be back. Uh, Kevin Aquari, 93.5. Why, why, do why don't you play another one? By no stretch am I some huge Bob Seger fan, but this song, to me, is like the ultimate. Like You got to like go about five miles an hour faster, roll down the windows. Love it. Absolutely love it. Probably not a lot of windows down today outside of just the morning. No, you're Very right. early morning. The sky's darkening by the minute here in Indianapolis. So safe travels to wherever you are on this Wednesday. I just spent the whole break watching Tiger Woods pump-up videos. <laughs> I, I wish. You guys coming over to watch tomorrow? I wish there was something in my life that I had, I mean, aside from like my personal life, in terms of my hobbies, I, I, I wish for everybody they had, they could find something that they have the same level of passion that you have for Tiger Woods. Have you ever met Tiger Woods? I've not. No, I, um, I'm trying to think when I've seen him in the flesh, uh, I guess very briefly at the BMW championship up here at Cricket Stick. What was what about a decade ago? Been to two Masters. Saw him. Um. Twenty eleven. We've been the third round. Yeah, fifteen and sixteen at Augusta. Pretty cool just to see the roars and and just the difference in nature and Tiger roars versus everybody else. Yeah, the thing I, I do love about the Masters non Tiger division, Jake, is you got to give up your cell phone before you walk in. And again, I am raising my hand like more than anybody else in the air at this. You know, I'm borderline addicted to my phone. Oh, yeah. So the fact that I had to give it up and that forces you just to be super present. And again, it's a sporting event. But like when you watch opening tee shots, you'll watch the crowds around Tiger, Rory, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler. I mean, Jake, nowadays, is just everybody filming it. And now... And the Masters continued to do this. It's not everybody filming it. It's, it's everybody like the, paying attention. It's everybody clapping. It's, it's everybody. like the picture of LeBron James shot that broke the Cream's record, and everybody in the place is holding their phone up, but Phil not. Right. So I think it's it's really cool that it kind of forces us to be in the moment. You honestly hear probably more clapping at the Masters than you do any other golf event because no one's got a phone on them. Do you think that's the same thing for the media too? Media cannot carry a phone around. Of course, either. Do you think that we would be, I mean, admittedly on the backside of, but would there be the same level of cultural transcendence, popularity, significance, fan following, if 1996 was his first Masters win, correct? Uh, 97. 97. If the very first Masters win in 97 in the exact same fashion, exact same story, exact same background, but his name was Eldrick Woods. And he never had the nickname of Tiger, and it was simply Eldrick Woods. Would people be, would, would there be the same level of phenomenon about his popularity if you didn't, if you weren't able to say Tiger? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Tiger certainly helps from a brand standpoint. That's what I mean. Would yeah. the marketing would the marketing machine be the same for Eldrick Woods? I mean, maybe not as like, I don't know if you're going to define it as 100%. You know, maybe it'd be 95, 96. I mean, LeBron and Kobe are, you know, unique names in their Correct. own right. And obviously they have you know, stood the modern test of time here. I mean... But yeah, I mean, Tiger helps. MJ you know, helps. Would, would it be the same... If it was Vincent Jackson, man, did you see that run by Vince Jackson last night? Yeah, white out for Philip Rivers back in the day. That's right. But instead, Bo knows. I think, and legend is born. I think how different he acted, how different he looks, I totally how get different. It. I, I totally get player it. he was. I think still would have allowed him to. But there is and, a coolness about the fact sure. his name is Tiger, which. Is an Earl Woods buddy from the Army, right? Is that how correct. the nickname became? That's correct, yep. Um, boy, it is really getting dark out there. I it swear severe, in the last like, two minutes it just got a lot darker. Severe thunderstorm warning for Indianapolis Fishers in Greenwood now until 9.15. So be yeah, safe Nick, out there. Nick tweets here, uh, Brownsburg is super windy. My wife, uh, they live 15 miles west of Brownsburg. His wife says they lost power at their house. I want to know if there's honestly if there's hail. I want to know. I want somebody to like as soon as you see hail, or obviously a funnel cloud. But if you see it, send a text or a tweet to us so we can get the word out because those are the two things that I think people are most you know always wary of. We'll get an update from Chris Tenary coming up. He's up on the north side. Um, boy, you got to think. Pacers-Knicks crowd could be a bit sparse tonight at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Uh, Chris Tenary joins us next here. Kevin. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Inquiry. Nine o'clock hour underway in Indianapolis. It's nine o'clock technically everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. Thunderstorm warning right now, right, Mark? Yeah, for the Indianapolis Fishers and Greenwood area. And that is in effect until... 9.15. I mean, it's probably going to be most of the day, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, if you look at the radar right now, it's a big cell, like, kind of right around the airport, and, you know, in that northeast direction, James texted me during the break, said they got some hail in Franklin right now, so, you know, south of the city, kind of that southwest, I guess, part of the city, you know, over in Brownsburg, some big wind gusts, so... Sounds like the first wave kind of right now, and then potentially another one coming closer to lunchtime. Uh, joining us down the Payless Liquors Hotline, Pacers in action coming up with the New York Knicks. They have just three games left now on the season. That includes New York and Detroit. Tonight at the Fieldhouse, it's Pacers-Knicks 7 o'clock. Pre-game you can hear with Mark and the gang at 6.30. And then, of course, on television, Bally Sports, Chris Denary will have the call, and he joins us. Uh, Chris, I'll begin with this. Kind of an odd question, I realize, because, you know, 79 games into it, probably have seen about everything that, you know, you would want to study or examine. Is there anything left down the home stretch that you still have kind of question marks about that you'd like to see answered for you about this roster moving forward? Well, I think I think the one thing that we've seen uh, over the last week or so, maybe even over the last two weeks, is 
uh, the two young rookies that have played together in the backcourt. I mean, we know Tyrese Halliburton is the, the starting point guard and the leader of this team, but I think it's been good to see uh, Andrew Nemhard and, and Benedict Mather and really play well and play together. Uh, Nemhard continues, I, I think, to have a, a really outstanding year um, for a second-round draft pick um, at a 15-point, 15-assist game. And then I think also what I've been encouraged by has been the play of the two backup centers that have alternated as starters here over the last uh, four or five games, and that's Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith. Um, you know, they've been tested against some, some pretty good teams, uh, Dallas and Milwaukee and uh, Oklahoma City is a team that's still fighting and scrapping to get into the play-in. Uh, Cleveland on Sunday, who's a playoff team. So um, I think in, in the final three games to continue to see that growth of those young guys and and put them in situations that will uh, you know make them better for the future. How many games you ever had canceled due to weather, Chris? <laughs> well, I was just going to tell you guys as I was uh, I got my phone and Mark called me. I just sort of sauntered outside and I looked, and one of my trash cans uh, was, had tipped over, and fortunately was not in the street. But my neighbor's trash can is in the middle of the road. Um, it is so windy across the street. Um, that's the case, too. Um, we did have a game canceled right around Christmas a number of years ago, uh, playing the Bulls uh, at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And I remember driving to the game, and it was a blizzard, and they were concerned that they could not get the workers there. And that game was canceled or postponed. I mean, we ended up playing it, of course, but it was played later in the year. Is that it in your, what, 17 years on the call? Yeah, um, that's, uh, you know, we had some games postponed because of COVID, not, not sure. weather-related. Um, I think that's the only one that I can remember. I mean, I remember um, being in Cleveland and having to spend the night because of weather, but I think we flew game day and ended up playing that game. So, yeah, the only one I can remember is uh, Chicago a number of years ago. Again, Chris Denary, TV voice of the Pacers, joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline as the skies continue to darken around central Indiana. Um, I would say it's been pretty bright, though, for the Pacers this season when you think about what was necessary, what was needed. If you had to kind of throw out maybe the thing that has surprised you the most in a positive way with this season, what would you say? Well, you know, I, I was looking at some things at teams that I'm going to compare what, what the Pacers are doing and, and what teams have done in the past. And, and I, I've always said that I've looked at two young teams, one in the East, one in the West, and that would be Memphis in the West and Cleveland in the East. Uh, Darius Garland is uh, in his fourth year. As a rookie, he won 19 games. In his second year, he won 22 games. And this is an all-star that you know now is paired with Donovan Mitchell. Um, so... I just think the fact that this team has played so many clutch games, I think they're number four in the NBA in the number of clutch games, and that means five points or less with five minutes to play. Uh, you can hear as I'm standing here outside as a fire truck is going by, as it continues to blow here where I am. Giving you, giving you an up-to-date uh, weather-related. Heck yeah. On the scene, the Brian are you Jim Cantori right now outside? <laughs> are you on a caramel yeah. roundabout outside right now? <laughs> no, there's not a roundabout. Uh, well, there is a roundabout to the east of me, but not to the west of me. 
Um, so I, I think, guys, that's the thing that I've been most impressed with is how many close games they've played. Uh, they're 24 and 22 in clutch. So that means that uh, 46 of the 79 games they've played this year have put themselves in a clutch situation. And, and I just think for a young team that's trying to grow, that's very, very important. And that's what Rick Carlisle has talked about. He goes, you know, these are sort of our playoff opportunities, putting our players in position that they haven't been in before. So I think from that standpoint, guys, I've been very impressed with really how they've handled late-game situations for the most part this year. Chris, when I look at – Chris Denary is our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. When I look at this year's roster, I think about two guys that jump out at me. And let me explain. Buddy Heald and Andrew Nimhard. And the reason I mention those two guys is because I think both of them have proven that they are glue pieces. I, you know, I think there was some thought that maybe Buddy Heald would be flipped. And I think the Pacers looked at him and said, this guy can, is a great player. He's a, he's a great shooter. He's an unselfish shooter, which is rare. And then Andrew Nimhard, as you talked about, has exceeded expectation, right? Um, and shown to be a really solid piece. But that means, especially when you factor in three first-round picks coming, that something's got to give somewhere. So let me give you three guys, and you tell me if it's possible that they are not long-term pieces. Okay? O'Shea Brissett. Well, O'Shea Brissett's contract is up, so, I mean, it will be his opportunity to decide, you know, if if he wants to stay or go, and, and the Pacers' opportunity. So, you know, that's a situation where he's not under contract uh, after this season. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I've, I've enjoyed O'Shea's contributions. Um, he's, you know, in a situation where there's, there's quite a dip, bit of depth at that 3-4 position. But with him, you know, not being under contract for next year, I mean, all options are on the table for both the Pacers and for him. Okay, second one, uh, Chris Duarte. You know, that's been a, it's been a tough go for Chris uh, because of the injuries. Last year he missed so much time. Uh, with the toe injury, and then this year he missed the 21 games with a sprained ankle. Um, this is going to be an important summer for him. I mean, he's he's in a situation as well where there's a lot of competition. So um, you know, you know, hard for me to answer. I mean, that's that's you know, the front office makes all those decisions. But I mean, he's somebody I'd like to see more of, and I'd like to see him get healthy because I think he's a really good shooter. He just, in his first two years, injuries have sort of impacted his career, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. And then the last one is a guy that, Chris, it feels like all year we've we've said this, and I think you know how I feel about them, uh, about this guy, I mean, about him, uh, Isaiah Jackson. Oh, when, I think he's, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I, I think with both he and Jalen Smith, you have two guys, and, and look at it this year. I mean, with Miles Turner being out, you, you've got to have depth at that center position. Um, so he, he's he's just such an outstanding athlete. He can do so many things. You can throw the ball up to the rim and get to him. I, I just think there's there's a place for somebody like that. He's a young player. I mean, he's only, what, 20, 21 years old in his second year. Um, I just think he's a valuable player that the Pacers are going to count on for the next few years. He does it all. He'll be on the call tonight, but right now he's outside in Carmel giving us weather reports. He's Chris Denary joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. 
Chris, obviously Benedict Matherin, uh, you know, my affinity for him I think is pretty well documented. I think from a scoring standpoint, um, you, you couldn't have asked for anything more from him this season. Having said that, I would say he needs to certainly and has room to make strides kind of as a playmaker and especially on the defensive end of the floor. Um, it seems like Rick Carlisle has, I think, done a really nice job of being like, all right, that is the focus late in the season for you of you're going to start, you're going to get big-time defensive assignments. We want you to get in the lane and not just be bull in the china shop and attack the rim because we know you can do that even at this level, but be more of a playmaker when you know opportunity kind of calls for that. How have you seen Matherin, if at all, kind of change or alter his game here late in the year? There's no question about that, Kevin. I mean, I've seen him throw some alley-oop passes you know, to Isaiah Jackson that have been reserved for guys like Halliburton and Nemhard. And so, uh, and, and then the other thing is, as you said, it's the defense. Rick Carlisle has, 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 even for all of his players, he doesn't focus on points. He focuses on all-around contribution. And he is very, uh, very convinced that Benedict is a high-level scorer. Uh, but he wants him to do other things, and I think we've seen that. I mean, uh, I think two of the last three or four games, he's had nine rebounds, which are career highs. Um, you know, his passing is better. I think his overall focus on the entire game has been very, very impressive, especially since he went to the starting lineup. And and that's something that, uh, you know, he was a contender for six man of the year early in the year because of his contributions off the bench. Now he's getting those opportunities in a starting role against starting players. And there's no question that we've seen definite growth there, that they want him to be a two-way player, more than just a guy who can get the ball in the bucket, uh, somebody that can get a defensive stop when you need it. Uh, you saw that on Friday night on, on a last key possession. He's guarding one of the best scorers in the NBA in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Didn't let him get to the rim made him settle for a perimeter shot, and the Pacers ended up winning the game. Okay, Kristen Aries with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I do want to ask you your thoughts about the, kind of the new CBA earlier this week and the impl- implementation of a midseason tournament next year. If I'm not mistaken, um, it's not necessarily going to be more games on top of the 82 that we're used to. This is going to be built into the schedule, so that you won't be playing more games. There is a financial component. I think it's 500000 per player for the winning team. I'm good with it. I, I think the NBA season, and you probably feel it more than anyone, can get a little bit into a lull kind of December, January. So I like this idea. What were your thoughts on that and anything else CBA-related? Yeah, they, they broached this uh, you know, back in September, we, we were uh, presented uh, just some ideas at our broadcasting meeting. And so I was not surprised, you know, that what's come out, that there would be some type of tournament. It is something that I think Adam Silver and his group is champion. They've looked at uh, European soccer and, and how you have a regular season. But within the regular season, you've got, you know, the Champions League or you have the FA Cup or those types of things. So, no, I, th- I think you're right. The, the the only added game would be the championship game. I think two teams would play 83 games. Uh, the other games would be baked into the regular season, so I guess your qualifying games. Um, and I don't know if they'll do that by division, how they will do that, but um, you'll still play the same number of regular season games, um, and certain games will count uh, toward the tournament. And then what I saw is that, eight winners then will go play a single elimination. 
and those will still be within the 82. And if you don't make the final eight, you'll have some crossover games um, that will get you to your 82. So it'll be a tournament within the season. That's what's you know what I've read. And no, I'm for it. I I, you know, I think anything you can do uh, to create added excitement during the regular season, I'm all for. Chris, when I was at the Pacer game the other night. I noticed in one of the promotions inside Gamebridge Fieldhouse that Kiss is coming. In you concert. almost caught the ball at the game the other night. I did. Did you see that, Chris? My cat. I, my my reflexes are sick, aren't they? Did you notice yes, that? Yes. The, the The ball was. I mean, the, the I think the ball flew to the left of Quinn and I and was heading to you. Yes, absolutely. It was. I mean, you were, my. You were, you were cat quick. I and was glad you didn't mention amazing. local celebrity Jake Query almost <laughs> on the deflection. Thank you for refraining from that. It was my reflexes were amazing on that. Um, do you want to go to the Kiss concert? I, I think we're. Gonna, I think I'm going to go. I'm not. I. I mean, I remember Kiss from. <laughs> I remember Kiss from uh, my high school days, but no, that, I don't. I, that's not. That's not on my bucket. Come list. on, yeah. Chris. Like, I mean, I'm not necessarily. I, I don't even necessarily like Kiss. They kind of scared me when I was a kid. But, I mean, come on. We can go down there and spit up some blood and get some pyros yeah, yeah. going mm-hmm. and stuff. It'd be awesome. When I think Kristen Airy, I think that, don't I? <laughs> I mean, I've spent yeah. Carb Day with you. I might as well spend a Kiss concert with you, right? <laughs> That's true. When you say the word blood, I'm the one that uh, if there is uh, if there is blood on a player, I turn my head. Uh, I'm hoping that Jamie Burns does not show additional replays. I go back to... Gosh, it's probably been 10, 12 years ago when Danny Granger planted his face on the floor against the Celtics and all of his teeth started scattering uh, around the floor. That was one of those days I just wanted to look the other way. So, no, blood, kiss at a concert, no, I'll, I'll pass, Jake. Yeah, probably right. the, bl- the blood thinners for Jake, probably not the best <laughs> companion to have in Kristen Airy. That's right. I guess this is probably more of an off-season question, Chris, because I don't think it's going to be impacted here the last week of the year. Any update, uh, Bally Sports, related for what next season could look like, considering you know the bankruptcy issues? No, no. I mean, you know, for us, it's just been it's been you know do your job. I mean, the games are airing. Um, you know, that'll be something I, you know to follow um, as the as the season goes on. But I can assure you, you know, there there will be Pacers games on, and you know. Our plan right now is that they'll be on Valley Sports, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens as we move along in the summer. Where uh, where are we going for rooting interest, guys, for the playoffs? Are we are we Kings? Are we who else are I we? I mean, Kings are cool because of Sabonis, and they're it's been forever since they've been there. They're yeah. young and exciting, right? Anybody, Chris, for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, just I, I guess because of relationships. Uh, I mean, I had a great visit with Brad Stevens uh, last week when we were in Boston. Um, I mean, they are built to win, right? I mean, if you look at the East, I think the two favorites are probably Boston and Milwaukee. Um, and, you know, just because of relationships, I'd, I'd love to see Brad and the Celtics get that done. Um, I think it's going to be fascinating. I, I was just thinking about this, and you asked me, as you look at the future and, and, and what you like about the Pacers and the growth and the youth, you're going to have four teams probably in the play-in in – Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, and Chicago. All four, you would think, should be built to be in the top six, right? Two of them are not going to make the playoffs. So two of them are probably going to go in a rebuild. And then the other two, if they get beat, 
you know, by seeds one and two, they're going to really have to look internally at themselves. So I just think that that's going to be the fascinating part leading into the offseason, the draft, and free agency, and trades. You're going to have a number of teams that are going to have to look in the mirror and say, gee, what are we going to do? And I think the Pacers have already done that, and they've already you know, set themselves up for what they hope will be you know, a, a really solid next four or five years. And so that, to me, is going to be the fascinating. Next week, watching those play-in games, sort of a one-and-done situation, and who gets in and who does not, that's really going to set the table for the summer as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know what? You bring that up about the East. I mean, how about out West? I mean, right now, you're playing teams to be the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, and the Thunder. The Thunder only half game up on Dallas. Let's say those two flip. Lakers, Pelicans, Timberwolves, and Mavs, they are not built to be in the play-in. <laughs> they are built no. to be in the playoffs. So I, I do think the NBA – Again, to me, you got to make one of the top eight seeds to really be in the playoffs. I do think the play-in drama is just outstanding. Well, you've got a game. I don't know if it's tonight or tomorrow night in the West. The Clippers are sixth. The Lakers are seventh. Yeah, tonight at 10 o'clock. And they're playing at 10 o'clock tonight. And one of those teams is going to stay in six, and one's going to stay in seven, which means one's in the play-in and one's not. I mean, that's that's to me, the beauty of what they established with this play-in tournament, whereas all of a sudden, Game 80 is hugely important for either of those teams to avoid uh, being in the play-in. So I, I think that's, again, as you look at what they've tried to do and you know what they maybe hope to do with a, a, an in-season tournament, I think the play-in tournament's really been a hit, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Speaking of hit, um, how about when they start playing the hit Beth, followed by Detroit Rock City, you don't want to be there for that, Chris? I mean, standing up, I mean, you know. No, I'm, I'm more of a, in, in this day and age, I'm more of a Darius Rucker, Thomas Fratt, Brett Eldridge. <laughs> uh, you just start going down the list. Your friends at Hank FM, they would they have they would have all the hits that that I'm interested. He's got in. weather duties. Did you hear him earlier in the segment? That was outstanding <laughs> by Chris Dare. The more you can do, right? He's on his way over to tell the neighbors to pick up their crap. Nothing sounds well, like a country song like that. It it uh, it fell over again. Uh, so <laughs> I may have to. I mean, I may have to go over and help him. Yeah, be um, a good neighbor, I'm Chris. Looking, I'm looking up and down the the road here, the street, and there's all kinds of trash cans down. You heard this. You heard the sirens, so yeah, I was giving you that Brian Wilkes report. Outstanding. Jim Outst- Cantori is shaking in right. his boots right now. That's yeah, right. exactly. Bally's going to have to pay a whole lot if they want to retain Chris Denary with his <laughs> ability to be versatile like this. Uh, Chris, have enjoyed it all season. Thanks for hopping on with us as you have. I know it's probably a bit odd to call games like this late in the year, but I think this time next year it'll be a bit different story. So uh, appreciate your calls, and uh, thanks for the time. All right, thanks, guys. See you soon. The great Chris Denary right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Get a listener send a picture of a uh, blown-over porter potty. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. That would not be good. Do you remember the, the year that one of the IndyCar races, I can't remember where we were, when somebody went off track and it was Kanan. Kanan went off track and, and slid into a porta potty and one of the crew workers came running out of it right before the contact. I mean... Is that a now, Sc- Scotty Shuffler mark hitting balls in the range right now? Is that, is that what I'm seeing on the looks TV? looks like, yep. Mm-hmm. Looks like uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Scotty Burgers, the mac and cheese, the black and red fish, chocolate chip skillet. Doesn't look like it got to him too much. 
Uh, at what point are you like, I've had enough food? Like, they keep handing you plates of food. Like, Do you think I, like, they're you know, drinking at that? I would hope so. Yes. It'd be a PBR party if I won the Masters, right? Well, I think if Daly won, it's probably the first time PBR is at the Masters. <laughs> It'd also be the first time for a PBR party, yeah. right? I mean, that's true. <laughs> Pop quiz coming up in about five. 317 I've staked my reputation that it is happening before the end of the year, so I think <laughs> well, we need to make that happen. On that end. Um, I think I, I said if we don't have one, I have to eat a can of Vegemite. So. Oh, it's been a while since you guys have tried the Vegemite, right? Yeah, I'm not, not in any mood to. Now, speaking about food, how about Dick Gabriel, who we had on earlier today, talk about Will Levis, uh, local Lexington voice and sideline reporter for Lexington football. He mentioned that like the eating of the banana with the peel on and the mayo and the coffee was like a early Kentucky Will Levis, and he gave the impression that like Will has matured since then. I told you I, I've heard that the I mentioned this yesterday the mayonnaise and the coffee thing supposedly Will Levis has said like yeah that was like a kind of Frank. a running joke yeah he didn't really do that he did it like one time as a kind of as a joke and how about next week. We do a little mayo in the coffee. I'll do it. Yeah. Might I'll as well. It. Jake, come on. Team player. Are you going to fake COVID again like you yeah. did during the St. Elmo shrimp eating contest? There, let me tell you something. Zero chance. I, mayonnaise is horrific. It's horrible. Yeah, I, I am not a mayonnaise fan at all. But I just feel like coffee would take a lot of it out of it. Oh, man. Yeah. Doesn't it have egg whites in it? Oh, I'm sure there is, yeah. Is it mayonnaise predominantly egg whites? So you want like more Miracle Whip? Like more like fake mayo? Well, that's even worse. Well, pick, pick <laughs> right? your poison, my friend. The real or the fake? I mean, I Get you some Lord. Dukes or some Hellman's and Miracle Whip if you want some of that. We did get a real announcement from Trace Jackson Davis yesterday. Let's lead off the morning check down with that. After one of the most storied careers in Indiana basketball history, maybe not in terms of team success in the NCAA tournament, obviously, but in terms of individual growth statistics and just being a great representative of the program and in the university as well, Trace Jackson Davis yesterday announcing what we all expected. He will not return for his final year of eligibility and instead will officially enter into the NBA draft. A dynamic player around the basket, a great rebounder, a shot blocker for Indiana. But facing the basket NBA game, mid-range jumper, those kinds of things have been question marks. Yesterday, Trace Jackson Davis did join the midday show here on The Fan with Dane Fife and Brian Noy and talked about exactly that question of can he shoot the basketball? I, everyone has their opinions, and I can't really worry about them. But um, I just feel like they haven't really – no one in the NBA world that I've talked to, whether it be my agents, uh, my dad, have said that I can't shoot. They just said that I haven't. And so I feel like after I show them, then that's going to be just out of the question. And so just need to focus on that coming this off season and just shoot the ball at a high rate, shoot the ball at um, just getting repetition and building my confidence, really. I do kind of agree, by the way, that probably needs to get start getting opinions outside of that of his dad and his agent, right? Kind of my mom in high school being like, oh, yeah, Kevin can play in the Masters one day. Well, mom. <laughs> you can do know. anything you set your yeah. mind to. I know that's totally accurate on that end. Uh, Pacers, two picks in the 20s, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Maybe? 
and the first pick in the second round, or as long one as of the early Houston, ones yeah, as long as Houston finishes with one of the two worst records in the league. So, I think Jalen Hood Shafino goes before oh, TJD. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, this is horrible. LJ just texted me this. I hate mayo too, but my favorite cake is a chocolate and mayonnaise cake. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's that's a no go. That that does that even exist? That crosses the line. Who was that? What LJ? My buddy LJ, LJ. I'm what, sorry. What, what, chocolate and mayonnaise cake. What? No. Nope. I mean, if I was on death row and for your last meal, and they said the only thing we actually have available to you is the chocolate mayonnaise cake, I would yeah. say to them, I'd say, that actually is more horrific than the chair. Well, I mean, yeah. like, I'd say, give me a knife and I'll eat that. <laughs> have you guys had the Portillo's chocolate cake? I have not. That's got mayo in it. Really? Well, then that's also a big nope, negatory. Nope. You need to try it. You won't. You won't even know there's mayo in it. No, well, no I, wonder the Cubs are where they are in the standings right now. Okay, Kev. Transitioning to that, Major League Baseball, 12-35, first pitch it will be, weather permitting, Hunter Green versus Marcus Stroman down at Great American Ballpark as these two teams conclude a three-game set. Yesterday, the Cubs had a huge seventh inning, and they beat the Reds 12-5. Other are games... you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? <laughs> Phil, I don't know I, which I like better. The I, quote or Mark's joy. I think I said it. earlier in the week it was Bob Castellini. That was Phil, his son, which, gosh, not the smartest comment to make, right? Can we play that? Do you have the whole interview, Mark? No. It was like, no. But play that sound by one time. Wasn't it, this Mark? was opening day when he was asked about the fact that fans, what was it, they were unhappy with the television deal? Yeah. Well, I've got two different clips. the Reds stink. And that, well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? Uh, yeah. Kevin's. I'm don't look in. now, but Thank here you. come the red legs. And again, if you're a Reds fan, if you don't trash talk on April 5th, then you're, you aren't going to trash talk at all. Not many opportunities. Not many opportunities, yeah. Oh, we're selling to the deadline. Trash talk there. Indianapolis Indians 0-4. Start Enjoy Hunter Green while you have him. Oh, by the way, speaking of local professional teams, uh, Lynn Dunn going to join us Monday. Okay. Uh, the number one overall pick in all likelihood will be Aaliyah Boston out of South Carolina. She's going to join us Tuesday. Oh, really? WNBA draft Monday nice. night. I always enjoy talking to Lynn Dunn. She's great. You talk about energy. You said Aaliyah Boston's going to join us Tuesday? Uh, well, assuming she's... Whoever the number one pick is I, I, will join us Tuesday. I just say, what if the... What if there's a trade in the Mystics taker? I, I believe Aaliyah Boston is thought to be the overwhelming favorite to go into the Does Boston one. have a WNBA team? No. I, I'm not familiar with one in Boston. Oh, yeah, the Sun, right? Yeah. There should be a... How many WNBA teams we got? She would have her name on the front and back of her jersey, which would be kind of cool. Oh, well, no, it's got to be more than that, Scotty. I was going to say, like, 16 to 20. Yeah. Okay, we could play this fun game. WNBA team, is it still around? Uh, Washington Mystics. Yeah. Okay, LA Sparks. Yes, there's 12 total. Man, 12, okay. Only 12. Chicago Sky. Yes. They won the championship. Las Vegas Aces. Uh-huh. My cousin works for them, by the way. Wow, the fever were horrific last year. Uh, San Antonio's gone, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, Detroit's gone, right? Yes. Detroit is now Tulsa. Tulsa, that's right. Tulsa Shock, right? I'm Tulsa's seeing, gone I'm not too. Seeing Tulsa. Okay. We got the Vegas, Atlanta, Chicago, Connecticut, Seattle, Washington, Dallas, New York, Phoenix, Atlanta, Minnesota, the Sparks, and then to round it out last year at five and thirty-one, your Indiana Fever. They lost eighteen in a row to end the year. 
it was all in play to get that number one pick. <laughs> they got it by eight games. <laughs> They're going to take Bryce Young, by the way. They played 36, and they got it by eight games. Pacers tied in action with the Knicks. Again, a 7 o'clock tip over at Gamebridge. Uh, this and Friday, right? That's it on the home slate? Mm-hmm. Correct. So the Pistons Friday night to round out the Pacers home schedule this season. All right, it's time for the pop quiz. 317-239-1070. Thanks to, am I correct on the name? Was it Jack Billingham? Yes. Correct. Thanks to Jack Billingham. Tim said, Kent Benson, watch this. Tim from Newcastle <laughs> got the last laugh yesterday. He did. And winning the pop quiz. We'll see if we can go... Back to back. Scotty, usually after a win, you tend to ramp things up. Have you? I don't consider that a loss yesterday. He does not consider that a loss. I, I, that's probably fair. That's probably fair. Scotty is flexing and angry. Gosh, number four. I always think of the what if. Such a, Probably my favorite atmosphere that I've ever been in sporting-wise. All right, we'll come back to the pop quiz next. Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You said that yesterday, and then the guy missed two, and you're like, ah, here you go. I made it doable. still get it. Scotty, you like hearing that? (laughs) Mark, phone lines, we got them? Oh, yeah, we got them. All right, 317-239-1070, pop quiz here. Um, Weather-wise, I still feel like we haven't really felt it here, Circle City, Agreed. Mm Mm-mm. It actually kind of cleared up. Like it, it hasn't rained yet down here, but it got. Oh, it rained. Did it? Yeah, it was raining when we had Denary on. Okay, but it, it, it got kind of sunny for a second. It sounds like some heavy winds, potentially hail, and another wave coming around lunchtime. Uh, Jake, number one through eight. Uh, six. Six is who? Peyton. Peyton. Is that Peyton with an E or an A? Peyton, you Jim Cantorin it too with Chris Denary? Hello. Well, you know, I mean, I just want to say, you know, I mean, I, I, I thought Shorty did a good job out there, you know, I mean, when I, when I couldn't play. All right. Um, one more shot. Hello. Are you there? <laughs> yeah, I think you got the wrong. Oh. Well, uh, who are we speaking with? Casey. Casey Casey Payton sounds the same. Casey, good to hear from you, Casey. Apologies on that front. Hey, I appreciate it. Are you in a wind tunnel? I'm walking into work. Casey, what part of town? How's the weather? Uh, McCordsville, Indiana. Nice. And right now, there's just got done raining. And Casey, you've called the program before. I know we've gone over this. What what line of work are you in? Car salesman. Okay, that's right. Uh, Okay. And Casey, Is the used car business still pretty in demand right now. Oh, it's great. <laughs> That's good. Selling selling cars like candy bars. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, I love it. Casey, would you like for me? That would be Jake, or would you like for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? Uh, let's go, Kevin. 
All right, Casey, number one here, Steph Curry, six threes last night of the Warriors' win over the Thunder. He's made has made multiple three-pointers in 54 straight games, the longest streak in league history. Whose record did he surpass? Was it A, his own, B, Reggie Miller, C, Ray Allen, D, Clay Thompson? Hey. Look at that. By the way, that Jordan Hawkins for UConn, you see a little Clay Thompson in him? I see a little Reggie Miller in him, right? Yeah, the Reggie baby face for sure. Uh, question number two for you. Donovan Mitchell scored 43 in the Cavs' win over the Magic last night. He has scored 40 or more points in his last four games. Who was the last NBA player to have four straight 40-point games? Russell Westbrook, Kobe, Allen Iverson, or James Harden? Give me Harden. All right, number two here. Who had our first complete game of the 2023 Major League Baseball season on Tuesday? Who threw it? Wade Miley, Kyle Gibson. That's a Greenfield native, right, Kyle Gibson? Sandy Alcantara or Julio Arias? Go Gibson. Okay, question four. I feel the intensity of the car salesman and Casey's energy. (laughs) That's right. Uh, now let me tell you something, Casey. After you after you give all these answers, I'm going to go back and check with my boss, make sure that everything's okay, and you know he'll run some numbers and come back, and then we'll let you know how we did. Does that sound good? Okay. Sound familiar? I'll check. I'll check with mine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. On this day in 2010, Duke won the NCAA men's basketball championship. By the way, are you guys really going back there and checking with the boss? Or are you going back and like getting a candy bar and then coming back? Oh yeah, gotta ask permission for everything. Everything's okay. secret. All right, there we go. Uh, on this day in 2010, Duke won the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship over Butler when, of course, Gordon Hayward's half-court shot just missed. Who was the game's leading scorer who also, if I'm not mistaken, was completely flattened by a Matt Howard screen when Hayward took that shot? Was it Kyle Singler, John Shire of Duke, or Woj? I'm going to say Shire. Okay. Now, I did I did sell Gordon Hayward's grandpa a Cadillac. Look really? This. Before or yeah. after Gordon Hayward was in the league? After. He came in wearing a Celtics shirt. That's pretty cool. Was he cool? Oh, yeah. Nice. This guy was an Oregon native. I don't know if that changes your answer at all, Casey, but it should. Singler. Okay. Nice. Uh, and to round it out, 20 years ago today, this franchise became the first in Major League history to begin the season 5-0 and after losing 100 games the previous year. Was it the Tigers, Royals, Brewers, or Devil Rays? Rays. Tell you what, quick decisive here. Now, so, Casey, you sold him a Cadillac, you said? Yes, Cadillac SUV. So, does that mean, now, are you primarily new or used cars? At the time, both. Okay. Fair Casey, enough. what's the biggest misnomer about people in buying cars? They think there's much more profit built in than there really is. Yeah, the, the on a new car, there's not a lot of flexibility, right? The money's in the That's used right. cars? That's right. Okay. So, I really need you to go back and talk to your boss when I'm buying a used car, right? Yep. Okay. 
Casey, great effort today on the pop quiz. Uh, number one and two, he got correct. Steph Curry passing his uh, own see, record. Uh, great, though. Four and straight 40-point games. James Harden had four straight in 2019. Three was a slip-up. I don't know if he read too much into my Greenfield, Indiana native Kyle Gibson there, but uh, last night Marlins won over the Twins, a three-hitter from Sandy Alcantara. You blew it! Kyle Singler was correct. And JMV's Kansas City Royals, who went on to finish 83-79 and 79 in 2003. They started 5-0. They lost 100 games in the 0-2 season. Over under 35 complete games in Major League Baseball this year. Under. Under. Yeah, under, yeah. 35 sounds like a lot. So what, we've had one in the first five days of the season? Aside from your favorite team. But don't you kind of ramp it up early? The pitchers? Maybe? No? No, If anything, you're easing them in. Right, you're easing them in, and so you'd ramp them up in May and June. That's when you'd have more complete games. Aside from your favorite team, so in your case, Mark, the Cubs, Uh Kevin, you and I, the Reds. And I'll take cute fella off the board here. If you had to buy one hat, like you know how like Bob Cavoyan, his signature became that he wore a Dodgers hat all the time. If you had to pick one team, I'll be loyal to the It would just be a cool hat to wear. A's would be a good one, right? What would you go with, Mark? It's got to be one that's kind of unique, though, right? I think yeah, Tampa Bay. It's not bad. It's not bad. Pretty unique. You, Jake? I took the. Cute fella off the board, which would be my clear number one. Um, I would say the Royals, but Walker Lockhart, when I was in high school, wore a Kansas City Royals hat literally every single day. I, maybe the Braves. Not familiar with Walter. Walker. Walker. Walker Lockhart, by the way, uh, when we were in high school, he was a year below me, but when we when were in college, I saw him on campus my fifth year, his last year at IU, and I said, so what are you doing next year? He goes, man, I'm moving to Seattle. This is during the grunge craze. I said, oh, okay. And then I see him like three years after that, Thanksgiving or whatever. So, you know, how's Seattle? Oh, it's cool. What do you do? I drive a forklift. You moved to Seattle. Well, I just wanted to experience the grunge stuff, the music scene. So I drive a forklift for this startup company. Uh, Me and like, I was one of the first people to work there. It was Amazon. Oh, you have told the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Walker used the stock to go to law school and then got the patent for the Amazon app. He's now retired. Probably has a lot of Royals hats. By the way, I did laugh at your Steve Wojcikowski as that well, as a potential choice. I, yeah, for I mean, obviously, totally different era, right? Screen. But I realized that when I said that, I tipped my hand to the fact that it had to be a Duke player. And so after I threw out two of them, I'm like, well, I got to come up with a third. Who does everybody think of with Duke? They think of Woj. Was it Zubek at the foul line for him? Brian That's Zubek? That's exactly right, yeah. I saw Matt Howard at uh, Irish Mutt a few weeks back. He doesn't look the same, right? Didn't he kind of lose some weight? Oh, I thought he looked pretty similar to me. Did he? Okay. Man, he was a good player. Really yeah, good player. Great high school player. Blue Jays hat would be another one for me. Blue Jays. Yeah, yeah. Blue you know Jays what? I, I would like to get away from like – you get into so many letters with teams, you know, yeah. the P and the, the, all those NL, you know what? NL West teams. I think maybe I'd go with Scotty. When I when you got the lids thing did you, and you bought a Guardians hat, right? Did you buy the one with the G or just uh, the C? It'll make the G. It'll make the G. 
Okay. The Padres are okay. I mean, the Mets are kind of cool. But again, everything is just so much like letters. Yeah. So I kind of like the Blue Jays action there, Mark. Yeah. And again, I'm the one that said the athletics, so what do I know? Do the Mariners use a letter now, or do they yeah, have that? I think it's still the S. The S with yeah. the star on it. All right, we'll do one final time. Kevin and Query here on what is going to be a pretty stormy Wednesday. Somebody just sent Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Be a picture from West Lafayette, and it does look like a funnel cloud. So, I don't know. What do you think? I'm gonna, I mean, I can't show this on the YouTube stream, probably. Right? It won't show on my can on my is phone. That, is that from today? Yeah. This is. What do you think? Does that look like a funnel cloud to you? It certainly doesn't look good. I mean, I'm no meteorologist expert by any means, but yeah, it's. I mean, there are a lot of talks today of high winds, and I thought I read somewhere where maybe not quite the intensity of Friday, which is certainly a good news. But um, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a tough one. And I would say outdoor activities, especially this afternoon, this evening, pretty unlikely here in Indy. But so far, we haven't got a ton of rain here. Downtown Indianapolis sounds like another wave coming. Around lunchtime. But yeah, hey, welcome to April. I thought I saw like 12 or 1 o'clock. It was, in, in particular, when it looked pretty rough. And did Hooker came in for a top 30 visit with the Colts? Does not surprise me at all. I, I, <clears throat> Obviously, the torn ACL. You'd be able to do some you know, medical examinations on him with that. Boy, he had a... It really is too bad for... Don't you wonder, Kevin... If Hendon Hooker had not gotten hurt, are we discussing him more than Anthony Richardson? Yeah, the thing that is really interesting about Hooker, Jake, is he is the older injured prospect. And typically, when you think of guys that fall into the should they go in the first, should they go into the second, when you talk about guys that you would put on that second tier of quarterbacks, they're typically super boomer bust. But I feel like Hooker, based off his age and just his production in college and like his traits, he's not necessarily thought of as that prospect. Right. He's thought of as a little bit, I think, more of a safer one. But again, Matt Miller talked with us on Monday about this, the ESPN draft analyst. Um and just was a much different, you know, style offense. College offense was just so different, and you can't really, from a, I know there's no way to talk about that getting super technical, but from a hash mark standpoint and where they line up at Tennessee, uh, you, you you can't apply that directly to an NFL system. Do you subscribe to the theory of? putting emphasis on where a player played in college and how that translates to the NFL. And by that, I mean, Kevin, when you look at USC, you know, people look at USC and they're like, oh man, quarterbacks that come out of USC, you know, no USC quarterbacks ever won a Super Bowl, yada, yada, yada. Do you, do you buy into that no. or is it strictly, let me see what system they're coming out of? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of a lazy narrative. You know, coaches, coaching staffs change over so much. 
at these schools. I, I, I don't. You know, now from a conference standpoint, from a system standpoint, if things can be a bit archaic, or obviously from a, like Iowa football, you know, you have two decades of kind of Kirk Ferentz track record to go off of. You know, that could apply a little bit more, but I mean, it's not like Ryan Day was there when whatever Troy Smith was Ohio State's quarterback. Right, right. Um, now, I do think something to note. And that is a really good one here from Jason. Jason points this out, and he's referencing Will Levis against Will Anderson. He looks at it more from a, would you prefer Dak Prescott or Miles Garrett at number four? That's how he looks at it. So he says Will Levis could be Dak Prescott or Will Anderson could be Miles Garrett. I mean, what would you prefer then? Miles Garrett's pretty darn good. He's pretty disruptive. I... That's good question. You know, every team always says, we just go best player available, best player available. I, regardless of position, best player available. I, I don't know that the, the Colts have – the Colts have put themselves, Kevin, I think it's a great point about Miles Garrett. But the Colts have put themselves in a – they have painted themselves into a corner where that is not an option, quite frankly. They have painted themselves into a corner where... It shouldn't be an option or it isn't an option. Because I think those are two different things. The most important position in professional sports is an NFL quarterback. And the Colts have sidestepped getting the one to grow with forever. And it's blown up on them theoretically three times now so they have painted themselves into a corner where they have no choice but to do it now uh, yeah sure you can go with Gardner Minshew the problem is I think Gardner Minshew is a decent player you roll with Gardner Minshew next year you win four or five games you're not then you're right back to square one and you're not drafting number one again or number two and you're missing out on the two quarterbacks then you're right back to square one again I, I think it's a dangerous thing to say it, to table it tanking's not a given and out tanking everybody i should say is not a given correct i mean it's funny to me because everybody seems to think that they are the first one to think of either the hendon hooker in round two or wait until caleb williams next year narrative like everybody's saying that i guarantee you right now uh you know Wolfie and Max in the mornings in Seattle is talking about the fact that next year the the Seahawks, if they have a bad year, they can get Caleb Williams. And, you know, Johnny and Jane doing mornings right now in New York are talking about how the Jets, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't work out, doesn't worry. I mean, every team is thinking that. I guarantee it. it. It's How often do you – you hope that you only have a top five pick – once every 10 years, you hope, right? Now, this is a franchise that, can you imagine? Different era, different world, different coverage. Can you imagine the two of us doing a radio show back in 1991, knowing that the Colts were getting ready to have the first and second pick in the draft? Yeah. And they went with Steve Entman and Quentin Corriott, who, in hindsight when you look back, probably still were the better, pro- the best prospects in that. I mean, Entman was just a beast coming out. And then 
you know, Coriat, I thought I always thought Coriat was a, a decent player. I, I'm still a little I still have I still wake up in a cold sweat about him dropping that interception in Pittsburgh, but that's a different talk show. Do you think Chris Ballard would lie to Jim Mersey right now? Lie in what regard? About the people they like inside the building. Afraid of Jim Mersey running to Chris Mortensen with it? Yes. Yes, I do. I bring that up. Chris Mortensen had a comment that uh, an NFL team employee told him that Will Levis is a narcissist for his body transformation pictures that (laughs) made the wave here over the last few days. Isn't every quarterback a narcissist? Hell, I'm a narcissist. That's probably a fair statement. What? No way. Huh? What? (laughs) Impossible. Can you do the breaking news sounder mark on that one here, (laughs) Mr. Farrell? Um, Yeah, it's... (laughs) You've shocked me to my core. You know, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but I wake up an hour earlier than most of you guys just so I can look in the mirror. Again, Boo. you have mirrors all over your Boo is your staring place. at Jake like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Can you feed me now? Is it my turn? The only thing that's... The, I am literally the only living entity that, that stares at me more than Boo the cat. But yes, I do. Uh, when the Colts, by the way, took Emmett and Corey out first and second overall, here were the next 10 picks. You ready? Sean Gilbert, Desmond Howard, Terrell Buckley, David Klingler, Troy Vincent, Bob Whitfield, Tommy Vardell, and, Roy, and Ray Roberts. <laughs> Boy, not a draft. Yeah, no kidding. To have man. much memory of, of all years to have. Who's the, the one best player? Two. Buckley. Yeah, probably Howard. Uh, probably. I mean, there were. I don't think there was a single Hall of Famer drafted that year, right? Not one. God, I, I love me some meat. That's pretty crazy. I do. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> it's accurate there, Mark. I. It's just it's lying season. Uh, outside of Jake and talking about himself, I mean, it's just well. I'm always highly impressed with myself. It is peak <laughs> line season. All right, ten eighteen tomorrow, guys. Tiger. Boy, yeah, let me set the alarm here. Ten eighteen. The over under on his finish in the tournament: eighty eight players in the field. Does he make the cut? Forty two and a half is the over under. Um, I worry a little bit about the Friday time slot based off where the weather is looking right now, but I will say for a second straight year, he makes the cut. The guy's the greatest golfer in that course in the history of the sport, and you're worried about his start time. Uh, have you seen his body? I mean... Jake's seen your body more than he's seen Tiner, well, Tiger's body lately. Uh, <laughs> Tiger's got the body of about a 73-year-old. That is true. Uh, thank you to Dick Gabriel. Talked about Will Levis with him, Stephen Holder, Chris Denary. Those will be up on the podcast. Everybody be safe today with the travels out there and the wind and the hail and the rain. We'll talk to you tomorrow here in Kevin Corey.